Ocean.com. Alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. The Gamezilla Podcast. Is this the end of our civilization? Prepare for gaming domination. The mightiest monster of them all. Grimlock, the Dino Nine, and Jazzy Fiddle. Gamezilla. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast, your last line of defense in major gaming news. I'm your host, Grimlock, and with me in the Motor City Gaming Studios, Rob the Robot! Hello, Grim. <laughs> I am happy to be here. What the hell happened to Jazzy? I have murdered him as he was a waste of oxygen. I completely agree with you, Master Slave Lord Robot Man. I have brought this bob-bomb as a tribute to the Robot Overlords. <laughs> It is a beautiful gift, and we will cherish it for eternity. Until it blows you up. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, as you can see, Jazzy is uh, missing. And uh, to fill in, we have Rob, along with the Deadite Knight. Hello. I was not the talking robot. (laughs) I know you weren't. It's impossible. It is impossible. (laughs) If it were the Deadite Knight, he would not be able to drink this beer while being me. Proof. Proof in proof in the gears right there. He's not lying. Look at him. Please don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Jazzy is feeling under the weather, so we are uh, doing the show without him because we knew we could do a better show. Just the Dead Eye Knight and Grimlock. Welcome to episode 141 of the GameZilla podcast. How you doing, Dead Eye? I am well. I have I've had a, a good week. Got some uh, some gaming in, and I am still riding high on the hype wave that is Nintendo. And I know we'll uh, we'll have more Switch stuff to talk about, but uh, I did very little PlayStation play over the week. Uh, ended up playing a lot of Nintendo. Got the Wii out, played some Mario Kart Wii, so Pokeyell and I could get ready uh, for Mario Kart Eight in uh, in April. Eight Deluxe. Eight Deluxe. And uh, ended up also playing some Mario Party Island Tour, which is the one for the first one for the 3DS. There's a second one out now, Star Rush. But um, that game's honestly, I, I don't. I'm not a Mario Party fan. I don't really like Mario Party games. But the fact that you can play around that in 10, 15 minutes, get some mini games on. Um, it, you know, a lot of times L and I will use that as our like wind down at the end of the day if we want to do some gaming. Sweet. Well, that sounds good. I um, joined you. I did not play a lot of uh, PlayStation. Instead, I dusted off the GOAT. The greatest of all time. The Wii U! That's right, we dusted off the Wii U, slapped that Splatoon disc in. Nice. And I played about 30 rounds of Splatoon. Man, I kept, I kept saying to Jazzy, I go, man. Why did we ever stop playing this game? It's great. Then we realized, oh, that's why. Because you can't take two people, two friends, into the same match on the same team without the chance that you end up on the opposite teams. Oh, they better fix that for two. They ha- Right. The, the only way you can do it is if you, uh, go in, you can go in as a duo um, the, in the competitive ranked. Which, when you go in, the game mode changes. It's all about controlling the center-like space. And that's it. The, the rest of the game, the rest of the concept of Splatoon falls off. And so, like, all we want to do is play 
coverage, right? Try to try to be out the other team by covering more of the map with your ink. And we couldn't do that without going into a normal game. And then every fourth game, roughly, we'd be on the same team. Otherwise, we'd be facing against each other. Which was fine, because I like killing Jazzy, so that was, that was fun too. But it's just frustrating that you can't do something that's so simple. Uh, also, you can't leave a game. You get into a match... There's no way to leave that match if you want to without, like, powering down your system. <laughs> <laughs> so, quickly, I was reminded why the Wii, like, some of the issues with the Wii U. On top of that, we were doing this really badass party chat, uh, Jazzy, Cable, and myself, right? Uh, on, the, on the PS4, because there's no party chat on the Wii U. So, in order to talk and just, you know, have a conversation, we booted up another system just for that. That seems excessive, but necessary. <sighs> yeah. Strange. So, anyways, I had a lot of fun playing Splatoon. I got to play some Bastion. I got back to Bastion because it went on sale. Uh, there's a the Flash sale going on. Unfortunately, it just ended, actually. Damn. Yeah. Earlier Damn. today, I think. Yeah. Um, so, but anyways, Bastion was only $4.79, and that got you the cross-buy, so it got you PS4 and the Vita. So I was playing it on Vita... And ended up switching over, cross saved it over to the PS4 and put, sunk about f- two hours into it. And just, if you had never played Bastion, you have to play it. It's so unique. The narration kind of goes as you act. So as you hit the input on a button and swing your hammer, the narrator will come in and be like, he swings his mighty hammer with force. And then you run yourself off the edge of the floor, off of the level, and he goes, and then he throws himself to, to his own death. And then you respawn, and he goes, just kidding. Nice. <laughs> it's super cool, a lot of fun, and the story is, I mean, the actual story of Bastion is super cool. But um, it's only, I think it's $15 normally. Still worth it if you've never played Bastion. I also bought a couple games on the Flash sale. What'd you get? So, DuckTales Remastered for the Woo-hoo! PlayStation 3. Uh, I love the original DuckTales on NES, and I recently uh, checked it out from the library and got Elle hooked on it, too. So, when I told her it was downloaded for five bucks, she's like, you get for me? And I was like, of course. Of course I will get that for you. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing I got, and this was after, I think, just last week, me saying, man, as big of a Mortal Kombat fan as I am, it's weird that I've never really played Injustice. They were listening to you. They were. They so, listened to the podcast. Well, I appreciate that uh, PlayStation Network. So, uh, Injustice was four ninety nine, and that's for the Ultimate Edition with all the DLC. Yeah. So, I was like, oh, I'd be an idiot to not, not buy it at $5. When I know I already like that style of game and I'm interested, and you said the story mode is great. So that was the little bit of PlayStation that I played this week as I uh, downloaded Injustice and, and got some playing. And I was originally a little disoriented because I am a Mortal Kombat player. So I expected it to be more similar to Mortal Kombat than it was. I kind of expected it to be Mortal Kombat with a DC skin. And I find, found out that that was somewhat true, but very different. Um, and I think one, so the pacing is a lot different than on MKX or even Mortal Kombat 9. The pacing is a little, it's a little bit slower. Uh, it feels a little bit, uh, floatier. Um, and some of the, you know, they, they have a little bit easier juggling mechanics. Cause if you use your X forward or your X back attack, it basically does an auto juggle for you. Um, which, you know, again, I, it's good that it's different from Mortal Kombat cause it fills another space in my gaming library. I didn't need another Mortal Kombat game right now. Yeah, it's different enough. I mean, it feels like NetherRealm had their hand yeah. in on it, but at the same time, it doesn't just feel like a reskinned 
Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And so that it, that actually works well for itself to uh, make it its own game. One thing that um, the the two things that that was that was a little jarring for me getting into this game is you know the dedicated back uh, block button is not there, which I expected it to be. It's the traditional, like, press back to block. So that was actually the hardest part of the transition for me to go from being a Mortal Kombat player to that because it's been a while since I played Tekken or Street Fighter or a game that has a, you know, press back to block uh, mechanic. So uh, my blocking is still pretty poor. Uh, so that was a little tough. And one thing that I actually decided I didn't like about the game is the mechanic of what the O button does. I don't even remember. So... You know, traditionally in modern fight games, all four face buttons do attacks. Well, the O button doesn't. That's the button you use to activate each character's specific ability. Oh, okay. So for Bane, if you want to drink more venom, you press O. For Nightwing, if you want to split his staff into the two, like, nightsticks, you press O to do that. Um, for Batman, you can conjure like the batter, the little bat grenades that fly around you, um, and, and different things like that. And to me, that seemed like a waste of a face button. It seemed like that's something you easily could have put in, in the shoulders. Yeah. Um, now I guess I would have even rather had that face button been a grab button or some, something else. It just seemed like that cut the play a little bit shallow. Yeah, I don't. Again, I haven't played it in a while. Um, getting, we're all getting back into it just because Injustice Two is around the corner. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I guess I don't remember that. But I could see that being awkward. I would totally remap that probably yeah. to a yeah. bumper. And I and I might. Um, another thing is, and again, I, I I applaud them for doing things that are a little bit different. On an arcade stick, you know, I like to play on the arcade stick. Yeah. So. Uh, when I was playing Injustice, I was using the MK9 stick. Ah. And I, c- I guess I can imagine that probably wasn't a very good uh, button layout for that either. Yeah. So I'll have to go back and, and see what I think. And so, you know, they they have a couple of mechanics. You know, when you do, you have like an ultimate move that drains your full meter, just like in Mortal Kombat. But in Injustice, it gives you a quick second animation. Where it the the screen cuts to a close up of your of your fighter, and you know you get a little like special effect, you get effects around it, and all of a sudden, and then you unleash your hit to try and hit. Well, the thing is, is because of that one second, it totally gives your opponent enough time to block it. So a bunch of times I was blocking and getting blocked, um, leading into that. So the risk reward is a much higher risk to drain your full meter in that game. And I didn't like that aspect, because in Mortal Kombat, you can trigger that a lot quicker. Yeah, I can see that being another issue. So One thing I did like, though, is the, you know, if you do a, a, a block in a certain sort of way, you can get into the wager system, where you can wager your bars of special yeah. against someone else's, and if you win the wager, if you initiated it, you can gain some health back. Yep. I was like, that's a super cool thing, and uh, it, it prolongs the fight out a little bit longer, and it, it felt it felt super, it, you know, to have, it just felt like, you know, it's a superhero fighting game, and that felt powerful to me, it, and I actually really liked that aspect of it, um, so I have a few complaints, and that's coming from me being a Mortal Kombat fan to it, uh, but the story mode has been super good, I'm three chapters in, I found the story really compelling, it's a fun comic book story, and uh, I absolutely plan on putting some more time into Injustice leading up to Injustice 2. For five bucks, it was awesome. Yeah, you can't beat it for five bucks, for sure. 
Cool. Well, uh, Cable2KX is our video producer. He is off screen, but he has a microphone. What's yes, going sir. on, Cable? What, uh, how was your weekend and, and gaming, and what, what have you been up to? Um, didn't really game much. Um, didn't really do much this weekend, but I did get to finish Watch Dogs 2. And then, I'm sorry. The game's good. The game's all right, man. It's uh, called Watch Dogs, though, so that's the problem. It was a good – the ending was okay. It wasn't like, oh, my God, you have to see this kind of ending, but it was all right. Other than that, um, play some NBA 2K. Other than that, didn't get into Overwatch. I'm waiting for tomorrow to get into Overwatch. Yeah. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're waiting for today. Sorry, today. Yeah. Yes, I'm saying that wrong. Cable, cable's new. So I'm he's, new. Yeah. I'm he's, new he's, pulling, he's pulling the same mistake that I always used to pull. But for everybody that's watching the live stream, because we're doing that now, he's right. It's tomorrow. So there you go. The hottest show on Monday night. Take that. Monday Night Football, Monday Night Raw. We got it right up your ass. It's right here on Games Alive. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we have some we have some news that we want to cover this week, and uh, it's going to be focusing around. uh, Did you guess it? The word Nintendo is involved. Can't believe it. Never heard of them. Sony breaks the streak, and Fire Emblem is hitting more than one expected system. All this and more on the GameZilla podcast. Now, the GameZilla podcast could not be possible without our amazing sponsor, DetroitBeardCollective.com. They are your hookup for all your beard care products. If you're on the live stream, look at my beard, bask in its glory, and know that I have not only a good-looking beard, but a fresh-smelling beard and a well-groomed beard, and that is because I use products from DetroitBeardCollective.com. I use the beard shampoo, the beard elixir, the beard balm every single day, and then I brush it out with the beard comb, so I am looking good. Now, you can order those products individually, or you can get a subscription. It is a beard crate. It works similar to all your favorite uh, crate and box subscriptions, uh, but it's high-quality products that you need to keep your face fresh. So go to DetroitBeardCollective.com, order your products, subscribe to a beard crate, and use the promo code MCGAMING at checkout to save 20% on orders, $25 or more. That's the checkout code MCGAMING at DetroitBeardCollective.com. Now, we're hugely appreciative of Detroit Beard Collective, but we also appreciate our fans that contribute to our Patreon that was launched just last week. Grim, tell me a little bit more about Patreon. Patreon, we want to thank everybody that's already joined us, but it is our new outlet that you have asked for. People have been asking how they can contribute towards our show, to towards more content, new shows. This is what we've built. We've built a platform for you to be able to subscribe to the GameZilla podcast, to Motor City Gaming, where you can set up a set amount per month that you'd like to donate to us. And in return, there's a perk list that you will be receiving certain perks from, uh, starting at things like access to private discords and early access to podcasts and even our Game of the Month raffle system. Ooh. So I might say I have to subscribe so I can win. <laughs> that doesn't work. You can't do that. Okay. <laughs> but Patreon is live. We got it going. Like like the Deadite said last week, we want to thank everybody that's already people were finding it before we even announced it publicly. So thank you so much. We 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 weren't expecting this and we're super excited to bring the Gamezilla Alpha podcast uh coming up next month. And that is because of Patreon. So because 
you, you you guys are all jumping in and and helping us out. We are able to make more content. We're bringing out another podcast. We are doing things like this stream uh, here on Twitch, and we've been able to build this nice green screen and get everything rolling for you to better bring you the news, better cover the industry, and continue to grow this gaming community that we love so much and that you've uh, you guys have enjoyed for the last three years. Yeah, GameZilla and Motor City Gaming continue to thrive and grow, and we're taking over the gaming world with your help through Patreon, so thank you so, so much. I'm searching the web for the latest gaming news. Searching MotorCityGaming.com. Downloading headlines. Now let's have it. What about this monster story of yours? Download complete. So I want to get started here with a local bit of news. If you missed the... Last, last Thursday, if you missed the event, After Dark Vintage Video Games 3 at the Michigan Science Center went down, we were there, the GameZilla podcast, putting on a custom live show, and we just, we had an amazing time. So we wanted to make sure that we say thank you to everyone that came to our booth, to all the people that grabbed our buttons and, and we watched them put them on their shirts. We <laughs> you watched, said grabbed our butt. Grabbed our butt Buttons. <laughs> Took the decals, wanted to buy our banners off of us. It was it was a great uh, response. We were super happy. We look forward to um, being at the next event. But thank. I also want to say thank you to Chelsea, the uh, event coordinator. She uh, was the one that reached out to us and really got got the ball rolling. I want to say thank you to the glitch, who yeah, the glitch who reached out to us and asked if it would be okay to give our information to Chelsea. So. Again, this goes back to our community where people, because we're building this community and we think about each other, you know, opportunities were made for us and we were able to put on a show for other people. We were able to, to give away some swag and, um, you know, have an amazing time at this event that had retro video game systems from home consoles like the NES, SNES, Sega Genesis, Sega Dreamcast. I saw some Atari up there and uh, all the way to arcade cabinets. So uh, 20 arcade cabinets from things like Burger Time, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Simpsons. Um, I saw Tron up there. Mortal Kombat 2. Mortal Kombat 2. So there, there, uh, there was the Ghostbuster um, squad was there. They brought some of their own arcade cabinets and then put on a huge show. We had uh, DJs bumping all sorts of cool 8-bit, 16-bit music tracks uh, mixed into techno, electronic music, and... You know, it went from it went for three and a half hours, and it was just I think seven hundred people roughly. Yeah, it was between six fifty and seven hundred was the count we were given at a point. Uh, and man, it, it was just an awesome night. We got to meet people who had just started listening to us as a podcast. We got to uh, make a lot of new friends, uh, and we actually recorded a live show. I know we talked about it a little bit last week. We recorded while we were there. We have uh, a live recording of our time there, and we will likely be releasing it to the public sometime in the future. We're not 100% sure on what platform we're going to release it, uh, but we you know, had a fun time doing it, and we look forward to the next uh, After Dark vintage video game night uh, four which is coming up in july and uh we have a verbal invite already and we're looking forward to going back again so if you're in the metro detroit area mark your calendar for sometime in july know that you're going to want to be out there and you're going to want to play these games and hang out with uh, gamezilla yeah so once again thank you to everyone that attended the after dark event and thanks to all the uh the workers 
Thanks to the Michigan Science Center for allowing this event to take place. Uh, we look forward to returning. All right. Let's get into some news. And we have that PS4 sales exceed 53.4 million units, which we've talked about. Okay, we've already mentioned this. But the, the addition to this uh, article that I thought was worthy of bringing it back is that software sales surpass 400 million. That, on average, comes out to something like 7.5 games per console sold, which people might say, oh, 7.5 games, that's not, not a lot. But when you're talking over 53 million units, that's, that's great. That's, there, there's not many other systems that can hold that type of average that high. And so, that doesn't include the free PSN games every month. Correct. So that, it, it is impressive. When you think, when you go to your friend's house who maybe isn't a hardcore gamer, and you look on their shelf, they're going to have Madden, Call of Duty, and maybe one or two other games. So considering that the average is seven and a half titles, I think that is actually a very good number that Sony's putting up for software sales. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not every person is a grim who you know buys almost everything that comes out on disc and uh, you know has quite the collection. Not everyone does that. Yeah. Uh- you're the vast I, minority. <laughs> I have a yeah, I have a problem. Is what it is. I have a, a major problem. But but I I'm happy to see this. That that shows very good uh, growth for the system. You know, we we saw the units, and and we've been praising these units as far as the systems go. But we haven't really talked about software numbers. So to see that number come out and see how healthy it is, that's a really good sign for not only Sony's platform but just gaming in general. That that shows real true uh, healthiness. For the home console. Um, with that being said, though, Sony also broke uh, a streak here, and Sony is uh, the PlayStation 4 is the top selling console for December 2016. So they broke Microsoft's run. Microsoft had been running pretty much from the time that the One S came out, which was September, correct? Yeah, it was a four-month streak. So, you know, Microsoft was, you know, and there's, Microsoft is still making a lot of very good strides. Yeah. So this, But this did show that uh, Sony had a strong holiday. Yeah, very strong holiday. Uh, we do want to give a shout-out to Nintendo's 3DS, which had a strong showing, uh, which clearly helped by the sales of Pokemon Sun and Moon, which also set a record for the fastest-growing uh, the fastest to 4.4 4 million units sold of any Nintendo game ever. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I believe they're at, between Sun and Moon combined, they're at 4.5 million units already. Uh, so, you know, that Nintendo uh, 3DS has shown a um, growth, actually, over the last year. So the previous year, I mean. So that's, um, for a system that's as old as it is, to see a, a growth like that is uh, pretty impressive. Over a seven-month span, too. Growth continuous over seven months. I think that is a testament to what software support does. If you look at the 3DS, you can walk into if you ha- if you haven't bought a 3DS and you like that's Nintendo games. You can walk in and see to any store and see probably about 5 games you'd like to play. And there's decent third-party support, but you know, Nintendo first-party titles are really what sells that handheld and it makes sense that people are still buying it. Because there's plenty to play on it. Uh, no, absolutely, it's it's got a, an amazing backlog, and and you know they still like like Sun and Moon. They're still putting out quality uh, games. It's not an end of life system that turns super shovelware style, and you just weren't getting anything for it. The Wii, so um, except for maybe a swan song at the very end. I, I won't, you know, there was some stuff in there sprinkled in there very lightly, but. Um, 
the, the last thing on these articles I want to talk about is that they, they listed the top 10 games for December, and they listed the top 10 games um, for best-selling of all 2016. And just the one thing I wanted to point out on the top 10s for December is that Final Fantasy 15 was number two, only beat out by Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, and Final Fantasy 15 experienced the best console launch month in the history of the franchise. Wow. So not a single other Final Fantasy has done as well as Final Fantasy 15, and that's so that's great to hear. You know, I, I like I've re- I really enjoyed Final Fantasy 15. And I like to hear that it, it's uh, been doing very well. Um, but the thing about the, <laughs> Jazzy's Jazzy's not here. I kind of picked this out to to poke at him a little bit and to poke at uh, a BMC a little bit. But here's the the full list of 2016's best selling games. Of all 2016, we got Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Battlefield 1, Tom Clancy's The Division, NBA 2K17, Madden NFL 17, Grand Theft Auto 5, Overwatch, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, FIFA 17, and yes, Final Fantasy 15 made the list. Okay, Overwatch almost didn't make that list. And unfortunately, Uncharted didn't make that list. And I just wanted to tell BMC and Jazzy they can both go shove it up their ass because I, you can find a list that proves anything that we want. Clearly, Overwatch and Uncharted don't deserve to be Game of the Year. Clearly, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare does. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did it dominate December, but it dominated the entire year. And it came out late. That's true. It, it managed to get that top spot in sales in two months where, uh, you know, Black Ops 3, which was its predecessor, did have an entire year of sales at that point. Yeah, and it's still on the top 2016. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Okay, I can't do this anymore. I really, th- th- I don't mean anything I just said, so let's just move on. <laughs> I, was, but, but, I really want to just poke fun at Jazzy. He's not here. But, but to make a point, these are the games that do broadly appeal. Like I just mentioned, if you go to someone who's a casual gamer, odds are they're going to own two to three of these titles that are on this list. There's a lot of people that just buy the new Call of Duty, just buy the new Madden, and might buy the, you know, Grand Theft Auto every year. So so that's the reason these sales are so high, is they are games that are system sellers for some people. That's that's what they want to play. It's true, and it's also a good point as to why Cable uh, brings up the fact that if the Switch can't support these types of games... It's going to struggle widely because these are the games that move systems. These are the games why people want an Xbox and why people want a PS4. Yes, they want Uncharted. Yes, they want Halo. I get it. Like, exclusives matter. But in the end, when you look at this list, there's is there there's not a single exclusive on here. Because exclusives don't get the reach that a you know a third party gets. Infinite Warfare is PC, Xbox, PS4, it's everywhere. You know, but it's not going to be on the Switch and, and that's that's a problem. I think that that will uh hinder the Switch in my, uh, eventually if they don't figure something out. All right. So, next up, Nintendo thinks that the Switch won't suffer the same fate as the Wii U. You see what I did there? I led right into this. <laughs> Anyways, let's switch. <laughs> so in a recent uh, but brief interview with Reggie, he talks about how he thinks the Nintendo Switch won't fail in the same way that the Wii U did. 
over at GameSpot, there's an interesting interview. Uh, the president and COO of Nintendo of America about the Switch's future. He makes some interesting points, uh, though, and, and this is how it goes. This is, this is how it goes. Nintendo Switch is a home console that you can play anywhere with anyone. Clear. Compelling. We see the reaction by consumers, whether it's measuring in Twitter, trending topics, or views of videos on YouTube, or just the frequency with which I get called by old high school buddies that I haven't heard from in 30 years, who are asking me how to get their hands on a Nintendo Switch. We have communicated the proposition clearly, and it is compelling. Wii U will go down as a f- having a fantastic content the issue was you look at the reality of exactly when the games were launched, there were large gaps in between. Okay, so that was that was Reggie. President of Nintendo America. That's right. So what do you think of that statement? Um it's tough because in, I'm, I'm trying to think. So one of the statements that stuck out to me is that large gaps in software releases hurt the Wii U. It's tough because I don't have a recollection, nor did I necessarily do the research to be like, okay, let's look at the Wii U was about first parties because let's be honest, there weren't a lot of you know AAA support from third party developers. Um, right, because so, of lack lack of confidence with the system. Correct. So realistically, you know, we would have to look at what nin- what was the timetable from Nintendo's offering for the platform. And you owned a Wii U, so I I I want to know: do do you feel that way? Do you do you feel that you know you would buy a game, get excited about it, play it for you know? Two three weeks, and then feel like you didn't touch your Wii again, your Wii U again for a year. Absolutely, or, or did you know? Yeah, no, I a hundred percent feel that that that's what it was. You'd get a Captain Toad, or you'd get a Splatoon, and it would be great. You'd be like, wow, it would really show the potential of this device, and then it, you would just go into this lull until the next game from Nintendo because there was no third party that was worth playing on the Switch that I couldn't play in a better situation somewhere else. And that was the tough part. It's it's I liked being able to lay in bed with the Wii U gamepad and play Mario. You know, because my wife wanted to go to bed and instead of me staying in the game room, I was able to to hang out in the bedroom. That was pretty cool. The problem is, is that there just wasn't enough to keep me coming back. And and I the main reason is you can't have enough first party to do that. Like Nintendo couldn't do it if they wanted to, and if they did, then then the games that are great would be watered down and not as not as they wouldn't stick out as much. It'd be like, hey, uh, Naughty Dog puts out an Uncharted every year. They would become Call of Duty, right? It would get it would get repetitive. It would become Assassin's Creed, and but the problem is that you need Assassin's Creed. You need Call of Duty. You need that filler to get you from A to B, to get you from Horizon Zero Dawn to Kingdom Hearts Three or whatever it is. You know, like it's a horrible example because it's going to be a seventeen-year gap. But people get my idea here, my point here. Now, I I don't say this as as a knock, but hypothetically, if we're looking at a Nintendo system, the Nintendo first-party titles are A-list games, blockbuster yeah. games. That is why you buy a Nintendo system. So something like an Assassin's Creed, which, again, I'm not saying this that it is a B-tier game, but on a Nintendo system, 
It would be. It'd be like a, a, a tier below, but it would be enough to, you know, something that fans want to play that would tide them over till the next A release. Yeah. Um, but it really fe- felt like that you'd get an A release that maybe wasn't even the strongest A release. I loved Captain Toad when you and I played it together. That was the Wii, that's actually the Wii U game I think you and I played the most together. We spent a couple evenings really working through it. But how many other people know about Captain Toad? The marketing wasn't very good on no. it. And so even if you call that an A game, it wasn't a blockbuster. No. So then when you're followed up by like a D game from some other developer, it's not an, it wasn't enough to motivate people to purchase the system. Yeah. Every game I picked up, it felt like I would then go find my Wii U. I would then go find where I put the cords, right? Because it was unhooked. It was collecting dust. And... You know, for an all for a last gen or a retro gen or a retro console, that's fine, right? Like, hey, I want to play RC Pro Am. Okay, cool. Let's go get the Nintendo setup. But when it's the current gen, that's a problem. And when you bring up saying that that was a problem of the Wii U and that's why the Switch isn't going to fail, and I look at this launch window as you're calling it, and I hate this. You're calling it a launch window, which is the entire year of 2017, and right now it's at. Like 27 games if you add in the couple that we uh, just got. 27. 27 confirmed with uh, with not concrete dates, but with rough dates. Yeah. Um, and I think if you... There are currently, I think, 80 known projects for the Switch. Now, that doesn't mean 2017. That doesn't mean first half 2018. That could be holiday 2018. So that's a ways out in the life of a video game That could be just TBA. Yeah. We don't know. So I think, you know, you make this statement, and my problem with this statement is simply how, when you look at the Switch launch window, do you not feel like it's the same as the Wii U, if not worse? Well, if you look at first party, you know, work with me here. Uh, release. We're looking at one, two, Switch, uh, and we're looking at Zelda. Right. So those are those are your first party games coming out day one. Uh, within the within two months, Mario Kart. Yep. And then presumably around that window, maybe a month later, Arms. So that's four first party titles within the first ninety days, roughly. Splatoon two is slated for the summer. That'll be the big summer game, and then they're at Mario Odyssey. In the fall, so Which that they're calling holiday, yeah. So, so winter, probably maybe. November, probably November yeah. is realistic for Nintendo's holiday launch. Usually comes out, you know, Pokemon was November eighteenth. Let's slate it in pre Thanksgiving because I think that's fair from what Nintendo likes to do. So that is, you know, despite what you think of Arms and uh, One Two Switch, that is six first party offerings within the first eight months of the life of the system. And if they, you know, not that I think they can continue that, but if after that they could follow up with a four to five month window for the following year. So maybe we get at least three more full first party offerings in 2018. That's at least setting up the first party to be adequate. But I think we all have the concern of. What else is there going to be? I think that in the leaks that we've seen, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more in the news segment here, uh, we're seeing we're seeing the indie developers come out. Yeah. We're seeing some announcements. A lot of them are ports. Um, but one thing that I think I'm reading a lot in articles from these indie developers that are like, oh, hey, this is coming out on the Switch. is, And I, I, I want to know if you think this is a cop-out or it, if it's a cop-out to Wii U fans or if it's an honest 
true feeling. A lot of these indie developers, they're like, oh, yeah, hey, guess what? This is uh, Ukulele. It's coming out on the Switch. We don't have a date yet, but we're announcing it's coming on the Switch, not coming out on the Wii U due to difficulties. How many articles have you read about an indie game coming to the Switch uh, that they claim to have had issues getting it on the Wii U? Do you think that is a cop-out, and that's just what these developers are saying? Basically, hey, Wii U fans, we're, we're bailing on you? Or do you honestly think that the Wii U was a chore to program for? I mean, we all know that Nintendo systems have a track track record for being difficult to program for. Um, I think the Switch, they, they've we don't have a lot of knowledge about it, but they've come out and said it's supposed to be an easier system to develop for. They've already come out with uh, Unity and Unreal support. The engines, yeah. So engines that are commonly used throughout the industry. Yeah. I honestly don't be- I believe that these games would have came out on the Wii U if the Wii U wasn't be- wasn't dead in the water. So the second they knew a new system was coming out is me as a developer. If I, if I was releasing my game and I knew that, hey, I could release my game in, you know, January, but if I just delay it till March, I could, I could push it to the new system that Nintendo's actually going to support. Um, when I look at the, the, let's consider this. You're talking 10 to 11 million we use. That's it. Again, same same lifespan as the PlayStation at 53 million. Five to one. So I'm going to release something on that versus the Switch that's going to come out in March and probably two million units right out the gate. And potentially we could see that where if it if it catches fire, they're going to hit they could hit the Wii U number in a year. I think they're projecting about two because they're projecting, I think, 20. Is it 20 or 40 million by 2020? They're talking 40 million by, uh, by 2020. Now, but, here, here's another thought to back up what you're saying. Yeah. Which would be the same pace as the PS4. Let's say you're, let's say you're a ukulele. You want to launch your game on the Wii U that has 9 million units sold. Who knows how many active players, right. how many active users of the Wii U. If you're one of the few games that come out in the first year of the Switch... What are your download numbers going to be? You know, so I know we're going to talk about it later, but we know Shovel Knight is coming to the Switch. We're going to get more in depth mm-hmm. into that. Uh, if if your Shovel Knight, they're putting out the new version first on the Switch, right? You have to know that you're going to get good download numbers by doing that by being a proven title coming to the new system. There's not a ton available, so it it is a chance to at least know, hey. If we're selling 2 million units of these, we could easily get a million downloads on this. We also don't know yet how their eShop's working. You know, they've revamped their entire infrastructure of their eStore, where their old eShop was, and all without finding a better word for it, trash. Oh, man. So it was terrible. Elle and I tried to download. Um, we at least want to look. She wanted to see what other Donkey Kong Country games were available on the Wii. I know we're looking a couple generations ago when I say that, um, because we beat Donkey Kong Country 1 together over the week. So she's like, oh, let's, you know, let, we like she, we like playing it uh, downloaded on the Wii. So she's like, well, let's see what other Donkey Kong games are. There. She was interested to see if Donkey Kong 64 was on there because we don't have it. So just getting on and trying to find games, I was like, man, compared to the modern PS4 shop, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's terrible. The um, 
Nothing's so, enticing. Yeah. Nothing from a retail standpoint. When you go on the PlayStation Store, and again, I don't really know what the Wii U shop is, but I know what the 3DS shop is, and it's not very good. Yeah, it's about the same. When you go on the PSN, right away there's different ads for, for pre-ordering games, movies that are out, sales that are happening, and the sales are actually enticing. Yes. When you go on <laughs> the, the 3DS eShop, the sales are $3 for some shovelware that made it onto the shop, there's never high discounts on games you actually want to play. Nope. There's never a presentation when you open that eShop that says, holy crap, this Mario game is five bucks right now. It never happens. It's never, from a retail perspective, it's never put in an enticing or exciting way. Nope. And I hope, for the sake of the developers that are putting things on the Switch, that you'll be able to actually, you know, there'll be some excitement about what's available for download. It'll be presented to the players in a slick way. Yeah. So I think it's a cop out. I think if they wanted to bring it out to the Switch, uh, the Wii U, they could have. I just, like, you know, what's the point? So safe face, bring it out on the new system. Cable, and- is someone making fun of me in the chat? You're laughing an awful lot. Um, Brayden is actually <laughs> handling the chat very well, and he's he's just said he sent you guys some PayPal money. He, when are you guys going to take their shirts off? And I want to see um, PE's Pikachu tramp stamp. <laughs> so, can you confirm that Brayden sent you money? Because I'll take my shirt off. We, well, we can't take off his shirt because if we get nipple slip, we're, we're nipple banned, slip. So I'm a man. Doesn't matter. Push your bandits. Oh yeah, this is uh, we're on Twitch now. We got rules. Twitch. There should be male nipples allowed everywhere. Okay, sorry to distract everyone listening to the recorded version of the podcast, but I saw Cable <laughs> laughing and at what I was saying, and I thought I was getting clowned down by the people in the chat. No, no, you're, you're okay. fine. Okay, but, but back on. I mean, I'm clowning on you all the time. I so know. It's what I deserve. Yeah, it's true. So, yes, you agree you think it's a cop-out, and it might not really be that, that bad. Absolutely. But... Um, that's Nintendo, though. That's and that's and that's how people act around Nintendo because Nintendo sets themselves up for it. All right, let's move on to Overwatch and Blizzard and how they. Um, we got some new details, but they first initially teased the Year of the Rooster event, and they teased it by showing off May, a character of Chinese origin, uh, in a variation of traditional Chinese clothing. So that was you know, that was the start of it. We have now seen um, some other leaks of Winston, Reinhardt, uh, Zenyatta, Roadhog, and Roadhog, my dude. Yeah, um, all kind of decked out in some some you know some new skins that are going to be surrounding this event. And um, we now have it confirmed that if you're watching this tonight, it's tomorrow. If you're listening to it, it's today. That's when this event is going to start. I don't know if we have a, a confirmed end date yet, but uh, usually it at least runs for a couple weeks. And um, Cable, just because you are the Overwatch expert here, do we have any insight on the special game mode? Um, I haven't. I honestly have stayed away from it. I didn't see. I heard, I think Caleb said there may be a capture the flag there. May have been entered. I didn't see. Hmm. I didn't really hmm. much too much into it. Yeah, our article that we have here says that there's uh, no detail on the event yet. But like I said, we've also this article also is just talking about the tease, which we now have confirmation it is dropping 
now pretty much so but i do know that with this update is also the patch that pushed to ptr a couple of weeks ago yep um we're losing the hooks from narnia which i, I love roadhog e- ex- explain you. first off watch your language about roadhog when i am in the room he's an angel he is a saint <laughs> Uh, he's an abomination. He's, he is. That's he's my abomination. He's one of the. He's the snakiest Overwatch character. So I have to love him. I'm the snake. So, Cable, could you explain to the non-Overwatch players who are listening what is a hook from Narnia? A hook from Narnia is when Roadhog hooks you from like almost halfway across the world and bring you back to a mythical land because <laughs> where you die just where you to die. one shot you just to one shot you <laughs> and it's, it's just ridiculous some of the hooks i mean you can see them everywhere on twitch and youtube all the mythical hooks that he gets um even on pc is where it's worse where he can turn and drop you off the side of a cliff yeah so i will uh simply say that i'm very happy this patchwork is coming through i have been the victim of many roadhogs and they uh, it's too much. Like, like I like how they're changing his uh, his their, how they're nerfing him. Where if he hooks you and you get hit into a wall, it breaks the hook and you drop. Um, they're they're making it in the physic the physics side of it make a little more sense than somehow get your hook through around two corners, drag me through two walls, and then one shot me to my death. And it's just like there's nothing you can do. Nothing. As a as a Roadhog main player, I even have to admit when I hook someone and pull them through like a wall, I'm kind of like, man, I feel kind of bad. I'm about to murder you. Like, like that's pretty cheap. Like, and again, that's <laughs> and my that's character. A sociopath. He's got feelings all of a sudden. I I probably play Roadhog 95 percent of matches. Like, the only time I'm not getting Roadhog is either if someone snakes in or if we feel for some reason that I could move to a healer role or something else. Like, that's really about about what I'm capable of. I'm not, not the strongest player, um, but I feel very comfortable with Roadhog. So there, I'm interested to see what it's going to be like. Uh, Cable also said a slight buff is coming to D.Va, which oh, is nerf. my nemesis. Uh, nerf, nerf. Slight uh, nerf. Yeah, that's why I meant nerf. Yeah. I hate D.Va, and I think it's probably because D.Va usually beats Roadhog, and I'm salty about it, but a what I, I've been crying out for, for a nerf for D.Va for a long time, so I'm glad that you know a little bit of that is coming through. Yeah, the big thing with, with D.Va is she's getting a, uh, a damage nerf, uh, but she's getting more, more pellets, so her gun technically has more bullets but does less damage yeah they knocked it down her bullets do three per hit per um bullet which is a i think it was eight at the time now they moved it up to 11 and now they marked it down to two so each like it's a shotgun so every little pellet hits you at three percent damage yeah so we'll see how that works out see how people adjust their play of diva but also anna got a a small deep nerf um her potion um, does not heal as much as it used to. In That's group good because I swear I'd see that potion drop and then someone would be full health and I'd be like, oh my god! You know, they were like dead, had a hit point left, and then they're full health and it, it was it, it was ridiculous how much like Anna can pretty much solo heal the team by herself. Yep. yep. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited to see all that. I also want to give a shout out to Blizzard Collections uh, or Blizzard Collectibles, I believe. Um, I got a box on the porch the other day. That I had no idea what it was, and I'm like, man, it's getting bad when I buy so much shit that I don't even know what the hell's being delivered to my house. And it turned out to be my Reaper uh, collector's statue that I ordered 
from Blizzard, $150, and I was waived too. So I was I paid for this in November and was told I would not receive it till September of 2017. And I was okay with that because if you uh, follow these collectibles at all, you know that the first one, which was Tracer, is $500 to $600 on eBay and sold out in minutes. So when I got a hold of my Reaper, who I, I'm a bigger fan of Reaper than I am Tracer, I was thrilled. I'm like, that's fine. I can wait. So here we are in January, and it's on my porch. So, and when I'm looking at other people that are you know, either trying to sell them or whatever, they're calling them Wave 1. So either A, I got into Wave 1, but my receipt, my paperwork clearly states Wave 2 and gives me a date. So con- great job, Blizzard. Um, that's the best customer, some of the best customer service I've ever received. Would you say that Blizzard is the anti-Lenovo? Uh, Anti-Lenovo, yes. Big update for everyone who's been following <laughs> my 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 feud with the Lenovo Corporation over my computer that I ordered on Black Friday was delivered today, and my wife signed for it. So, fifty-eight days later, <laughs> I have my computer. Now I'm not. In high hopes that I'm going to get home after the show tonight, and it's even going to turn on. It it's may, probably a box of rocks. It, it may. It's it may probably not. an empty shell with no screen or components, and I'm going to have to fly to China and fist fight someone who put my computer together. But uh, potentially, um, my my feud with Lenovo will have gone to a simmer. It will. I will never turn the flame off. I will be salty about this forever. They sent me a fans like a satisfaction customer satisfaction email. I'm about like, oh, oh bad decision. I'm about to burn you. Don't want you to know guys. what's on my mind. Yeah. So the, go, well done, Blizzard. Yeah. yeah well done. So, but, uh, yeah. On the opposite end, I just have to. I have to applaud them. I was. I was shocked, and then of course I opened the statue, and this thing is gorgeous. It's cool. I am so happy I got one, and sure enough, guess what? They're selling for five fifty, six hundred bucks on eBay. So again, I'm super thrilled. I locked mine in. It's on display with with my uh, Soldier seventy six uh, statue from my collector's edition, and all my Overwatch pops. It's it's my favorite. I think it's my favorite piece right now. I just I go in the game room and I just draw right to it. And I'm like, man, it's hand painted. And sculpted from, it's all done by Blizzard. They didn't outsource this thing. It is gorgeous. I just, I love it. Uh, it's Reaper in the Death Blossom, and you can you can see a video of it, uh, my reveal video, and you can see some still shots of it on our Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, De- or Twitter. Death Blossom is like the least intimidating form of death. Like, it's a Death Blossom. I know, I know, right? <laughs> it's very Overwatch, though. It fits yeah. Overwatch yeah, it too perfectly. But we all love Reaper. Yeah, anyways, you can go take a look at that uh, on our social media, Motor City Gaming or Gaming in Detroit, depending on where you're looking for us. So, But, oh, yeah. One more thing. Yeah. Um, the most useless character in the game right now also got a kind of a buff, which is Sombra. Everyone was waiting for her. Now she got a buff. Her hack takes one second now. Oh, okay. see, that was that, that was my biggest problem with her. It was like you it took forever to hack. You either had to be behind someone, and they had no idea that you were there. Otherwise, you weren't hacking anybody. The only time Sombra was ever effective in play is her alt. Yeah. When like all of a sudden I can't hook people. Like when she just dis- disabled a, a whole like group of yeah. of supers. It was like oh that was really frustrating. I was like I understand how that's working, but actually hacking one person with her like base yeah. attack wasn't working. Yep. So. All right. 
Let's let's get excited. Overwatch event drops today slash tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Today slash yesterday, whatever. Yeah, whatever. You got okay. it. We're there. All right. So this is an interesting delay slash release date that we didn't have, and that is Tekken Seven is coming home a little later than expected. Oh, it's delay. Yeah. Yeah. But we also didn't actually have a date either, so we kind of win and we kind of lose. I think it's we not... were expecting Tekken next month is kind of what a lot of people were yeah. thinking. And it's February. not bad. It's not terrible. We're looking at June 2nd of this year, so not too far off. And that'll be for the PC, PS4, and Xbox One. And the big thing they came out and said is the, uh, the latest title in their iconic series has a release date, and it is hoping to avoid the mistakes made by Street Fighter Five, and that is why... They pushed it. Oh, man. Putting Capcom on blast. <laughs> Get a toasty for that one. So I'm not a huge uh, Tekken. I don't have a lot of history with Tekken. You're a hater. Be honest about it. Don't don't sugarcoat it. I don't have a lot of history. I'm I mean, I basically You're think, a Tekken hater. I basically think that Tekken is pretty much hot garbage. And you're pretty much wrong. The fact that you wow. have to steal a chop's catchphrase to convey what you think about it proves that... You are, in fact, the trash cat. <laughs> Bring us something back from the live show. Grimlock the trash cat over here, hating on Tekken. That's right. Trying to be diplomatic about it, but I'm putting you on blast that you have to be honest about how you actually feel about Tekken. I'm going to say this, though. I'm going to give Tekken 7 a try. You should. Um, mainly because there's a character in Tekken 7 that I'm excited to play as. No. Come on. Yeah. Is what? it the guest character? Yeah. Really? Akuma. I, mean, I love Akuma too, but still, it's so many other great characters in that game. Uh, that's debatable. It's not oh, debatable. It's not debatable. <laughs> it's not deba- Listen, you're you're talking to two guys that put some time in on Tekken. So I mean, right. you're, you, you don't when have you, you don't have your little poor, puppet Jazzy here to gang up poor, on. Right? When you're poor and you can't, you know, you can't uh, afford a real fighting game. I get it. Okay, you have to play Tekken. Ethan, I understand. The, Tekken that, Three was the best fighting game on the original PlayStation, bar none. When you're stupid, yes. yes. Not when you're stupid. Yeah. Name a better fighting game on the original PlayStation. Primal Rage. No. <laughs> I'm going to need you to lead a show. I'm not even sure that released <laughs> on PlayStation. Show, I'm need you oh, to lead wait, it. on the original PlayStation? Yeah. Oh, easy. Marvel vs. Capcom. Not better than Tekken 3. No. Yeah, way better. Uh, I got another one. Uh, Tabal number one. Not better than Tekken. Virtual Fighter. No, not better than Tekken. Um, it's well documented. Street Fighter ever made. No. Ever made, even the first one. No, see, you're just being a troll. <laughs> I've but already I, come out on the live show. Even you can call me out all you want. On the live show, I came out and said Tekken is a solid fighter. I just never, I never got connected to any of the characters like I did in other games. There was no character in Tekken that was like drew me to even try to figure out what the what the story was, what the game was about. And for the most part, it just felt. Plain. I don't know. It, 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 like I, I look at Soul Calibur. I look at and Dead or Alive. Tekken felt like Dead or Alive to me. They both did. They both. And that's felt, how. I, yeah, you. I understand because you feel about Tekken how I feel about Dead or Alive. Right. Dead or Alive. There's not a whole lot there. I've played Dead or Alive. You know, and I've enjoyed it for the little bit that there is. But um, I've also played Tekken, and I mean, I can't sit there and say I hated what I played. It just didn't grab me like like. You told me a new Soul Calibur was coming out this year, along with next alongside a Tekken. I'd pick Soul Calibur ten out of ten times. I will say that in this stage of life, I do like Soul Calibur more than I like Tekken. But Tekken three, 
Tekken Tag 2, Tekken 4, I mean, tech, yeah, Tekken Tag, Tekken 4, like that era, uh, late P- PlayStation into early PlayStation 2, um, I I played a mad amount of Tekken, and I, I just, I like the flow of the game. It's it's a combo-based fighter, um, and it just when you can really get flowing on this stuff, it just feels good. It, yeah. it really does. Once you learn the mechanics of how Tekken works, it, it's a fun game to play. So we're getting it this year in June June 2nd. Not too bad. We got a date, and the you know, they're, the big statement is they're they're holding on to it because they want to make sure that they don't make the same mistake that Street Fighter Five did. So I hope I hope for for their you know sake. I hope that's uh, the case. And I think I think June's a good launch window. It's it's one of those things like okay, they could try and release it over here over the next couple of months, but it's not like they're gonna miss on miss out on the holiday or anything like that. If you delay it now, your sales are gonna be just as good in June as they would have been now. Um, I, I agree 100% because June is normally like a low month for gaming because everyone's outside and doing everything else. So I think it's a perfect time to launch a game like that where you just want something standalone. I can't think of any other fighters that's coming out around that time. Not a lot of other – well, uh, Injustice in May. Yeah. So Injustice oh, yeah. 2 coming up. So that that will be competition for it. Anyway, it's, it's the month after Injustice 2. Uh, but the thing about the fall, the fall launch is your sports games come out usually in the fall. Plus, your shooters come out in the fall. Yeah. So, you know, a June release for something like Tekken uh, makes a lot of sense, and it could get it a lot of people excited. They won't be bogged down with other games. Yep. All right, let's move on to uh, some real games. <clears throat> real right. games? Get out of here. Respawn developer. Oh, no, come on. You're going to – don't put Titanfall <laughs> 2 hey, over Tekken Titanfall 7. 2 is a great game. It's right up there with Watch Dogs 2. Fair. <laughs> Respawn developer laughs off the idea of Titanfall on the Switch. This guy kind of sounds like a dick in his Ki- quotes. Uh, kind of? So speaking to the, on the YouTube channel Drunk Tech Review, Respawn Entertainment senior designer Mohamed Alvi was empathetic in response to a question about whether a Titanfall 2 port to Switch was possible. Here's his response. No. Fuck No. No, you're not going to be able to fit Titanfall on it. That's the same Zelda from the Wii U. La- and then starts laughing. That that was his that was his response. And then he goes on to compare the Switch to its home console predecessors and their inabilities to sustain triple A third party interest. That point, I agree with him. He goes on to then say, I was excited about it because Nintendo's been in such a niche market recently, like, you know, catering to the handheld market, and I'm going to be honest with you, the kids. They've been so underpowered that they don't have the support of the third parties because they're all making for PC, Xbox One, and PS4, and the Switch is no different. (sighs) So now we have Gearbox coming out saying that... Don't look forward to Borderlands 3 on the, re- the Switch. The reasoning was different. The reasoning was more professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seemed, you know, uh, in a quote, uh, you know, it was was it the C- uh, CEO or president? Someone someone yeah. high up in Gearbox basically said, yeah, we were talking to Nintendo about that, but uh, they didn't get back to us. They had other things going on. So that's kind of poor because if Gearbox would have had interest in getting uh, Borderlands Three on the Switch. That's huge. Talk about huge, amazing. So yeah. that that that's kind of hurtful to hear. Yeah. Um. I mean, so back to the Titanfall Two port. I mean, first of all, I don't. I wouldn't worry about a, you know, port of Titanfall Two coming. To, you know that that 
<laughs> my response to this guy would be like, well, your poor selling game that came out, you know, in like November and has, in October, sorry, and has done nothing, basically, uh, besides, you know, making everyone suck your dick and talk about how good of a campaign it is and how good of a game it is, yet it still didn't sell well at all. And to the point where there's questions if there's ever going to be another Titanfall. So before you go with, like, making fun of Nintendo and laughing and, and all this bullshit, like, understand that your game, though it was good, I'm not saying the game itself was bad, it sold like shit. It, it had the same result as Watch Dogs, what Watch Dogs original did to Watch Dogs 2. People just didn't believe in your game. And the people that did enjoyed a, decent, a, a nice campaign and, and solid gameplay. But the problem here is that you want to sit here and go bash something. And, and, and this is the problem I have with the community in some ways, uh, the developer community, the, the, even the fan community sometimes. You want this to happen. You want support. You want to see these people support each other because guess what? I don't know about you, but I want to keep playing video games. And the more you start knocking out people and you go, oh, well, you know what? Nintendo just needs to go third party. Now there's just the big two. So now there's just two guys punching each other. Competition is healthy for an industry. And the fact that you're going to sit there and, you, and, and laugh about someone that's struggling and laugh about maybe someone that is on the verge of leaving the game, that's not a good thing. You should not be happy about it. You should not think it's funny. And for God's sakes, you're a senior design, you know, for a triple A game for Respawn, a, a reputable company, like have some like respect and actually answer this question in a decent way. That's about all I got to say on this. But, he, you know, it seems like he brought up a fair point that we only get 32 gigs of internal storage and then you have to buy an additional memory card. So there could be some truth behind like. The it, it may not be a feasible thing, file size wise, to make a game like Titanfall two available for the Switch. I'm not saying it's not the. I'm his not, attitude. His, his attitude, attitude was piss poor. Do I think Titanfall two can play on the Switch? No, I don't. I think uh, you know the points he makes are are valid. And even if you could make it run on there, what would the battery life be? Yeah. You know, that's the other problem. It's not the fact that maybe you couldn't overclock or you couldn't push the processor or whatever to play your game. I mean, we got Borderlands 2 on the Vita. It ran rough, but it plays, right? Like, there's ways you can make it happen. The point is, is that, you know, what is, am I going to get an hour battery life out of my Switch because I'm trying to play a game that really doesn't belong on it? And I've already accepted the fact that the Switch is not my PS4. The Switch is not my Xbox One. And I'm okay with that. I want a unique device that gives me an experience. And it doesn't have to be the fact that it's like, okay, I'm playing Overwatch on my PS4. And now I want to be able to grab my Switch and just run off and play Overwatch just like I was on my PS4. Like, I don't necessarily need that. I just want a gaming option that's mobile that I enjoy, be it equal or not. So here, here's something I've been pondering this week uh, about the Switch. I know a lot of our, our subjects here are bringing up me asking bigger questions that are a little off topic. But I, I want to ask you this. Um, for you and I, we're both getting a Switch. We're both very excited about it. Again, we fall into the hardcore gamer. We already own multiple other systems. So we're looking for a gaming system that fits 
uh, a, a new need, a new niche in our gaming lives. But let's say we are parents shopping for a system for our kid. You see a PlayStation 4 Slim 250 and you look on the wall and you at, at Walmart and you see 45 titles available for purchase. Some of them as low as 19.99. Is it t- reasonable to think that the Switch is going to have a hard time overcoming that base of the two other systems that are current in this gen for the for the parents buying the system for the casual gamer especially if they're not going to land call of duty madden uh you know things like that those casual titles that i brought up earlier is that is that something that's going to be monumentally difficult for the switch to overcome you want to know i think my big point is here that that here's my here's my way out there my left field like just going for the fence, swing for it all. We are at this point that people like you and me have families. Young young families. Kids just getting into gaming. Okay? And our generation grew up on Mario. We saw it with the NES Classic that many people like us and a little bit and older than us wanted that classic because they wanted the experience with their kids. They wanted to show them what they used to play. They wanted to show them that. And I think we might be in that sweet spot. And this is terrible. If this is, if this is how Nintendo is successful, it's, it's just luck of the t- timing, right? But I believe the Switch is going to do better than we expect because it is a system that will bridge generations from parents to kids to be able to sit here and be like, this is the Mario, this is Mario, and this is what I used to play. You know, here's the eShop, and here's the actual Mario I used to play. And yes, you could do that on other systems. You could do it on the Wii U even. You could do it on the 3DS. But the difference is that you're right at that point right now where I have a lot of friends that have kids that are five, six years old. They're just getting to that, I want to hold a controller and do something, but can't play Titanfall 2. They can't play those big boy games. And so this is that niche that Nintendo always seems to find sometimes. And I just I think that's I think that's where they're gonna go. So when that parent goes in there like you're asking me to buy something, yes, the PlayStation might have lots of boxes. And yes, the Xbox is gonna have more boxes than Nintendo. But Nintendo will have those characters that mean something to that mom and dad that want to share that with their kids. And I think that is the one angle that nobody can touch besides Nintendo. You know, are you going to have that problem with some? Yeah, you you absolutely will. You're coming into a a generation three and a half years late, four years late. That's ne- you know we've never seen this. It's well we have. It's failed every time. It's called the Dreamcast. It's called like you don't come in this late into a generation. You you've seen a year right, and even a year the the PS3 had it took a while to get traction. And that was the PS3, which we look at it now as a huge success. So it's gonna be it's an uphill fight for Nintendo, but I think they do have an angle that is maybe in its sweet spot right now that they could benefit from. One quick follow up question. When do they start finally running TV ads for this? 
They should have been running him already. I don't know, but uh, it, it has to happen soon. I, I mean, the, the pre-order sold out just on online marketing alone. So to say that they should have already been running them maybe is a little stretch because, again, the fan base is there. But do, yeah. you, think, do you think they start running TV ads for this in July, September? October, like when? When do TV ads start oh, getting no. to the I masses? Think, I think you see TV ads um, with the launch of the system. I think in March. I, I can't imagine that you wait until you know after the system is already out. That uh, doesn't seem wise to me. Um, you know, yeah, you're getting this initial wave of gamers, and you're getting this initial wave of people that have that are aware of you. But you also want to make sure people that aren't aware of you, like you're saying, moms and dads that haven't played games in 20 years. Um, that they know you're there, that they know you have something new, and um, yeah, you, you have to explain the product to people because that's the problem with the Wii U. No one understood it, and I think it, if you weren't you the know, hardcore, you, you didn't understand it. Yeah, and if you don't do it right with the Switch, it very well could be a problem with the Switch because it's a unique device. It's not a box that you put a disc in and you hook a controller up to it. It's just, there's more to it than that. So I think you need to to be on top of that for sure. All right. Um, quick note. Nintendo's considering video streaming services on the Switch post-launch. And the reasoning they're giving us is that um, all of our efforts have gone into making the Nintendo Switch system an amazing, dedicated video game platform, so it will not support any video streaming services at launch. However, support for video game services is being considered for a future update. And then they want to make sure that you realize that in 2012... these the Wii U didn't release with these, but then were added later, um, like Hulu, Netflix, and YouTube that came to the 3DS after launch and came to the Wii U after launch. And I guess what I'm getting at is in this day and age, okay, I don't care about what you did in the past, and I don't, you know, like Netflix isn't, you know, Netflix isn't what it was four years ago. It's bigger. It's more important to people's lives. Like I don't have cable. Because I because I use Netflix and other services like Netflix, so to sit there and use the example of your previous systems that well not all of them but to use the Wii U which failed is a horrible thing to do. You should have streaming services on this because everything has streaming, everything does. My TV, my my PlayStation, my Xbox, my cell phone, my tablet, my everything has streaming on it. And you, your your point why it doesn't have it is because you were focusing on the system. Like, let's be honest here, okay? I get it. You, you're not going to come out and actually say this. Is that you, the reason it's not there is because it's not done. Just like a lot of other things with your system, the online functionality, the chat functionality, they're now coming out and saying that to start, you're going to use a phone app so that you can have chat. But down the road, we might integrate something into the system because it does have a headphone jack, right? And so, like, basically what you're admitting to me is that your shit's not ready and you're just trying to band-aid the shit out of it to get to the point where you're like, okay, now our shit's – now we can launch this platform. Now here's the real Nintendo Online. You know, and I mean, I guess I give you kudos for at least trying to give me, an, you know, something instead of nothing. But you're marketing it in a way where you're like, well, this is this is it. This is the way we were doing it. It's really smart. Don't you see? And it just doesn't work that way. And the streaming thing is a joke. It does not take much to integrate 
Netflix into your device. You have a fucking tablet in front of you with two controllers on the side. Every other tablet, like a $99 Insignia tablet has Netflix on it. Figure it out and get it there at launch. It's gonna, all it'll do is help you. And not having it will hurt you. It will affect sales. I'm not sitting here saying on grand scales, but not having Netflix versus having Netflix, the only thing it's going to do is help you if you have Netflix. That's it. And YouTube, especially YouTube. Oh, I'm stuck on a level. I don't even have to leave my system. I'll just boot up YouTube and watch a how-to video, and then I'll go back to my game. Oh, I can't do that. I have to go somewhere else to watch my YouTube video. It's just dumb. It is just ass-backwards thinking. Any thought on that? I guess, uh, counterpoint. I I agree. It It should be there wholeheartedly. There's, it's ridiculous that it's not. But also, at the same point, everyone has other devices that already do it. It's true. So so do I need it? No, because I have a Blu-ray player, PS3, PS4. Uh, you know, I have a tablet, smartphones. I can already do it on my 3DS. You know, I can play Netflix on my Wii. Like, I have a million devices that can do all those things. That doesn't excuse the fact that this cannot. But at the same time, it's not hurting me. But I know when I when I want to sit in bed and watch YouTube and my tablet's dead and I go, well, I wish my Switch could do it. Like, it's it's an inconvenience. It's not a deal breaker. Yeah. You and I personally, like, I, I bitch about this, but I am not one of those people that would probably use that function very often. But at the same time, you're asking me $300 for the system when the cheaper systems on the market already do it and did it day one. I also have optic drives and can play Blu-rays or some yeah. case... Ultra Blu-rays. That so that's one thing that you don't you, yeah. you should. Okay, I guess to sort of waver on my counterpoint, if you can't play physical media discs, you should probably have movie streaming. Yeah, that and so that's something that does seem a little silly when you think about that. Yep, yep. So, uh, more Nintendo news: the Super Mario Run is coming to Android in March. So we now officially have the uh, confirmation on Nintendo's Twitter account that Super Mario Run will come to Android in March of this year. Um, There is no specific release date, uh, actual date, but we will be getting, uh, if you are on the Android side and you've been waiting to play this game, you're going to get your chance here shortly. That's all, but I've got a lot to say about it. It's a $10 game after you play the first four levels and it's it's another run, tap the screen, jump game. It's not Mario to me. I don't. I've I've never supported this game. So it's, um, there was jokes in the chat from Braden saying that the Switch won't be able to run this. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Get out of here, man! Confirmation here of a new launch title: The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus will launch. Will be at launch. Um, this is an interesting topic that. We've all heard of this game. It's it's out in as far as the indie scene. It's been out on uh, multiple systems, but it's interesting because it is a very dark game. It is a very mature game. It's it's definitely designed towards grown-ups. <laughs> so um, to see it come out on a Nintendo system is refreshing. That you are offering stuff other than. What we what we've said, is Kitty. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it, it was available on the 3DS, and I believe it was available on the Wii U. Yeah, and it's a twin stick uh, twin stick dungeon crawler, and um, it will be available March 3rd for the launch. I I personally haven't played it, but I remember um, Chops playing this and telling me 
how without again how fucked up this game is. It's it's I believe about a fetus like yeah, fighting off like an aborted fetus. An or aborted something. fetus. Yeah. yeah, it's really jacked up. So um, artwork looks cool. It you know if if you're not sure what it is, you can um, you can YouTube the trailer. But um, there's another title for you, and it's one that, again I haven't played. So maybe uh, you know it, it pulls me where I, I get to play it mobily on the Switch. We'll see. But that's uh, a, a new launch title, along with Shovel Knight, has been confirmed for Nintendo Switch launch window. So we go from launch title to launch window, which puts you in that uh, realm of we're not sure. They did say no specific release date was announced, and Yacht Club didn't hint how close to March 3rd the release dates will be. But uh, the developer did confirm Treasure Trove will be available for twenty four ninety nine, while the standalone Specter of Torment will be nine ninety nine. So you're getting uh, the, both the new version and the original version of the game. So Treasure Trove is three the three Shovel Knight campaigns put into one. This is what they're packaging yes, it as yes. now. And uh, Specter of Torment is the latest installment, the latest campaign from Shovel Knight, and this is actually coming to Switch first. So that's one one thing that's actually super cool and super important to know is that this, you know, we're hearing a lot of indie ports. Like I've never played Shovel Knight because I couldn't decide if I wanted to buy it on 3DS or PS4, and now I know exactly where I'm buying Shovel Knight. I'm buying it on Switch because it's exactly what I want. I'm going to be able to play it on my TV and on the go. It's perfect. I'm so excited to finally play Shovel Knight. But it's cool that this is one of the first indie titles that we're seeing coming to Nintendo first. And it's, you know, we, we saw Shovel Knight Amiibo. We're seeing that partnership continue to grow. And I, I think it's cool that we are seeing, uh, a, a, you know, even as a small announcement of something that is cross-platform coming to Switch first. Yeah, um, and we're excited, too, because it's also been confirmed that uh, Spectre of Torment uh, and Shovel Knight's two-player co-op mode will be playable on Switch uh, at PAX South. So hopefully uh, we can we can get our hands on multiple different games for the Switch. It sounds like a lot of people, a lot of focus on the Switch uh, at PAX South. So getting some shovel time, getting some um, Zelda time, things like that. I, I really want to be able to run these devices through through the gauntlet and see on the different level of uh, the resources needed. How does this how does this system hold up? Uh, in addition, the campaigns uh, Shovel of Hope, the original game. Uh, Plague of Shadows and Spectre of Torment will be available to purchase uh, separately uh, as standalone games on the PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Switch. So, pretty cool. So there's an, some some other uh, some other good news there. And then lastly, I want to uh, make the we had a Fire Emblem Direct hit um, recently, and during that event, they announced Fire Emblem confirmed for the Nintendo Switch in 2018. Fire Emblem Echoes confirmed for the 3DS. Um, Fire Emblem, oh my mind just went blank for the mobile. They got Heroes, Heroes, I think Fire Emblem yeah. Heroes. Yeah, and then um, of course also the, um, the the is it the Warriors or is that what they're calling it the Heroes? The like uh, no 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 uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, Warriors is, is um, made by the same development team as Hyrule Warriors. It's yes. part of the Warriors series, Dynasty uh, if, Warriors. Yeah. Yep. So that is coming to 3DS and Switch, yep. uh, both together. Where uh, Hyrule Warriors had like what a year stagger yep. in the release, where these were—I don't know if they'll come out on the same date, but they are in development together. Yeah, and that'll be like. So I've never played a ton of Fire Emblem, but that would be the one ty- Fire Emblem I probably would 
play because I'm interested in the characters, but the game, the turn-based role-playing of typical Fire Emblem steers me away because it looks very, like, grid-style. You liked Advance War, those. I did. And I, it's in the same vein as Advance Wars. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we'll I, see. I honestly think if you gave Fire Emblem a fair shot, I've only played a little bit on a ROM one time, um, but I, I think you may find you enjoy it more than you would uh, a lot of turn-based games because of the strategic nature, because of the map nature. I think, you know, I know you like hero clicks, you like um, some, some strategy games, some board-based games, and I, I think you actually would like Fire Emblem. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's coming out in 2018, I might need it anyways because I don't know how much I'll have to play for my Switch. <laughs> this is true. We don't know. So, all right, so that's those were our news articles. You can read about them more on our Facebook page, uh, Motor City Gaming. Facebook.com, Motor City Gaming. It's a website. All right, so I wanted to just hit a little bit of a small topic of the show. Oh, don't mind if I do. Give it to me. Yeah, topic of the show. Pack South. So, we leave for PAX South in just a few days, and we wanted to talk about a few topics that I thought Jazzy was going to be here to partake in, so you're just going to have to pretend like you were going, and maybe you can answer some of these. But, what's some of the most anticipated items? This can be a booth, this can be a product, it can be a panel, I don't care. What's something that... If you were going to pack south, you couldn't wait to do. Arms, 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 arms. And there it is, folks. We were saving it just for this moment. Arms will be playable at Pack South on the Nintendo Switch. That will be the last thing I play on the Switch. Wrong. <laughs> so, um, okay, so you're excited for arms, I know. Uh, I'm very excited to obviously get my hands on the Switch in whatever form I can uh, manage, but... I'm also very excited for the indie scene. PAX, I mean, PAX in general, the the entire PAX conventions, be it Seattle, Boston, uh, Australia, or or Texas, San Antonio, they focus on indie. You know, they, they give a very good platform for the indie developers. But South is a very special show because it is slight, it's newer, it's the youngest show. It is smaller because of that, and you get more face-to-face with these developers so for the gamezilla podcast and myself i am looking forward to being able to spend some time with you know developers like creator of axiom verge um creator of super meat boy and, uh, what was the other one? Oh, i i loved um, brawlhalla got to spend some time with them last year so things like that where i'm going to be able to uh set up interviews we're going to be able to actually talk about the game and 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 what influenced them to develop those are that stuff i love to uh do at the show the panels i'm you know i'm always excited for the um twitch town hall as they call it which is where twitch takes the uh the main theater and starts to really lay down some of the upcoming uh, announcements about what's changing that maybe isn't public yet uh along with uh, tips and tricks to better tweak your Twitch channels and things like that. So uh, that's a fun one. But I also am looking forward to there's a lot of community based panels this year about, you know, being able to help your local community and how you can continue to grow, which is something that we have been tr- working on here with GameZilla. It's something that we talked about all night long at After Dark 
at the Michigan Science Center. And I think, you know, we're here turning into year three, and we really are seeing it. We're seeing the GameZilla podcast uh, Facebook group really grow. We're seeing people interact with us across all of our social media. We got people, like like the Deadite said, coming out to us at these events and, and letting us know how much they like the product and, and enjoy listening to us. So um, we're just looking to go to South and be able to build on that and, and come back with even better ideas and, and take it to another level. I already hit uh, I already hit interviews. I already talked about Nintendo. I'm excited that they're there. I think Nintendo's going to help Pack South grow because um, it's a great show, but I think it needs to be a little bit bigger. And then swag, of course, right? I always spend way too much money when I go to these conventions because there's just so much cool stuff. Um, you know, last year I got uh, my hands on some new Astros at a, a sale price. I got my hands on a Street Fighter Five arcade stick that wasn't even publicly released yet. Um, I got good investment know, of money. That, was... that one was piss poor. <laughs> that one was piss poor. I'll use it for Marvel vs. Capcom though, because it's the same, same layout. Mm-hmm. So I'll get my use out of it. But, um, but I've also found small things like you know a lot of people always see me wear my Mega Man arm sleeve and things like that around. Those are the small stuff that you just see, or like my my plush Ryu. Uh, gloves and stuff like that. I just I love that. And I was just about to say that. Yeah, I I love those things, and they're just not. Um, you know, these are the things you find at these conventions that you don't see every day in a game store or a comic shop or anything like that. So I like unique. I like unique items, and then you got a lot of cool. Again, with the indie games, you get a lot of cool indie art and stuff like that that um, isn't in the main stores, or you may never see unless you're at one of these events, and that's. Uh, Super cool. They have a huge tabletop scene there. So if you like Magic the Gathering, you like things like that. But at the same time, there's so many indie tabletop card games, games you've never heard of that the con- the, the concepts sound so cool. And, you know, uh, one that's gotten big and people have heard about is Boss Monster. Now, last time we went, Boss Monster had special sets of their game that were unique to packs with custom foil cards and all this cool stuff. And the creator was there, so we got him to sign the box, and we brought a we brought a uh, brought it home, and we gave it away to the fans. You know, so that's um, that's something I'm looking forward to. So, with that being said, I did make a post on our Facebook page asking people about packs, like what they would like us to bring back, what they would like us to, you know, what what should we do while we're out there for them, and I got some feedback, so I wanted to uh, just spend a few moments here to to cover it now before you go into that yeah. i think you you missed one key point that jazzy would have made while he was here oh boy and that's a cosplay oh yeah cosplay is oh that's a very good point cosplay is always top notch at these conventions we um we always enjoy them there's a huge overwatch cosplay event going on that uh, is already has like an like a that's gonna be sweet. Yeah, or an advertised event, and and they're there's it looks like they're way more organized this time. Even like the fans, because this event is all built by the fans, and you know creating a meeting spot and trying to contact photographers to make sure that they have coverage, and it's just it, it sounds great. I think we're gonna see some awesome Overwatch cosplay. I'm I'm pumped to see that. Now, if it's anything like last year when we went and to see the League of Legends and how they were able to like get that to form and how it went so smoothly and all the photographers were there, it's, it's going to be amazing. I, I'm really jealous I'm not going. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we can get you to East and that East will blow the doors off of uh, South. Yes, sir. 
All right. So uh, first up, we have The Glitch. And he simply wants to know, can we get a poll going for the amount of telephone numbers Jazzy will get by the end of Pack South? The answer to that is absolutely we can get a poll going. Oh, yeah, we will. It'll go up tomorrow yep. on the GameZilla group page. If you are not a member of the GameZilla group, ask to join. Just search GameZilla Podcast on Facebook. Uh, put in a request, and we'll let you in. It's that simple. Next up, we got Scotty. He says, Jazzy has to buy a hat. For a game that he actually beat. So he's setting that guideline up. We'll we'll pass this along to Jazzy. So he better hope there's Final Fantasy hats, because <laughs> yeah. what else is Jazzy you beat? Better, I don't know. You better find a Final Fantasy hat or you're doomed. Uh, chances of finding a Final Fantasy hat are high. So um, I like it. I think it's a good challenge. He likes hats. He needs to find a hat of a game that he has beat. Uh, and the glitch chimed in on that one. It's a good point. Has Jazzy even beat the Gremlins video game? I'm going to probably say no, but he loves the Gremlins movies, so we let it slide. He, I mean, he I haven't beat knowledge. Jaws Unleashed, but if I had a Jaws hat, it'd be legit because, I mean, yeah. my Jaws knowledge is vast. Exactly. The knowledge is there, and, and Jazzy has knowledge on Gremlins, so we'll give it to him. Uh, so, uh, God of Games AJ chimes in, games. and he wants us to uh, grab him a PS4. So if they give you a PS4, he needs one. Oh, cool. Yeah. He says preferably... He made, he made the poor decision of buying an Xbox. He says preferably a Pro. Oh. Uh, the Glitch chimed in and said, they'll probably have a dumpster full of Wii U's. <laughs> <laughs> you get a Wii soon, U. And you get soon a Wii be U. buried in the desert out west. Yeah. And then Chelsea chimed in and said, League of Legends skins are always a plus. So um, for those of you that aren't aware, at the PAX, a lot of times Riot will release, um, hand out these cards that are exclusive skins that you can't buy. You can only get them via download codes. So that is something we always do keep an eye out for. Um at these pack shows. So we will definitely keep an eye out for some league skins. Lastly, we got BMC chiming in. He says, Hey fellas, will the switch? Well, the switch has been announced and it looks interesting. It has also been confirmed that Nintendo doesn't give two flying donkey balls about listening to its fans for changing from the same old Nintendo. We loved growing up. If it worked in the nineties, why change? Right? It got me thinking, which of the big three do you think listens to gamers the most? I think it's Xbox. Granted, they are playing from behind, but the changes they made since Phil Spencer took over are mostly great. Backwards compatibility, Xbox Live, UI changes, 4K drive in the Xbox One S, and just generally responding to fans' input. The PS4 Pro is my baby, but Sony has kind of taken a step back in the area, in my opinion, with the PSN price hike, lack of PS4 Pro, and VR clarity on what developers will support. Uh, and why can't we change our PSN names? Still, PS4 has way better games. Games on, Game on, you filthy masters of gaming knowledge, BMC. I think, too ba- I, think I agree with, with Caleb. And I think a big port, part of that is backwards compatibility. Like, their drive to give that... Um, really does speak a lot to caring about not only what players will do moving forward, but the legacy and the history they have with the system. And I think just them doing that and revamping their hardware to give people the features that they want, I do think that goes a long way to say that Microsoft is listening to their players. 
Yeah, Microsoft has done a great job. What were you saying, Cable? I, I disagree with the whole backwards compatibility thing. I think that's just a placeholder. Because to me, if I wanted to play my Xbox 360 game, I'll just play my Xbox 360. Yeah, but let's say you're in a situation where you sold it off and you want to go pick up an old title that you used to like, or you just don't have room to have two consoles set up like that. I don't see why backwards compatibility would be a negative or a takeaway. Not only not only sold it off, but like, let's just say you have an Xbox One and you had downloads that now we have access to. That's true. I mean, it's a huge positive. You can we can sit there and and say it's a whole a placeholder, but but like, I can download anything that I bought from my PS3. I can't necessarily play it on my PS4, but the fact of the matter is that my purchases all the way back still exist, and I can download them. Like the like PlayStation's kind of already had that. They don't have the backwards compatibility in their PS4, but they they've done what we've always wanted, which was hey, if I bought something, don't make me rebuy it like Nintendo does. Let me have access to it, um, you know, even though maybe it's older. And um, Xbox took that and Microsoft took that and they took it to the next level. And they said, hey, we created an emulator within our Xbox One that emulates these games, allows you to access, you know, the achievement system with it, allows me to chat with people on the 360 or the Xbox One. It really created a unified ecosystem and that was genius on their part. Um, and you know, and, they, and let's look at Xbox One from the first six months to where it is now. And yeah, they have they have gone 180 in the opposite direction than they were heading, and, in a good way. I think backwards compatibility goes a long way. How well do you think the first year of the PlayStation Two? did because of the fact that it's an easy sell because you already have a library of games that are playable on it. So I know it was, you know, them adding backwards compatibility was late to the game, but I think it does say a lot. And, you know, if I owned a 360, I don't think I would have got a PS4. I think I would have went Xbox One because of the backwards compatibility. It would have been a selling feature for me if I was already in the Xbox ecosystem. Yeah, I know it's a huge feature to people like Xander who, uh, you know, love their rock band and had invested so much money into all these tracks and because of this backwards compatibility has created a way where they can get uh, some of that stuff now through the new rock band which in the out the gate you couldn't do it was like here's your new rock band uh, all that you know the, all that money you spent in the past doesn't doesn't matter and they worked to you know to bring that back so do that on rock band one and two did you have the ability to take the um, tracks that you downloaded over they did on one and two but on this current gen they didn't that's true and people and this was the relaunch of the music genre this was the relaunch of you know grabbing a guitar and 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 thinking you're a rock star it was it's been gone for a little while because they killed the market and they were trying to bring it back and when they brought it back they're like yeah but everything you bought before you don't get it and people that have thousands of songs like xander was kind of like cool i'm not gonna buy your game then so, I mean, it's huge for me. I like I like being able to play Castle Crashers. I like being able to play X Men Arcade. You know that I bought back on the 360. That's not even like available in the Xbox One store. Can't even buy it if I wanted to. But now I can download it. You know. Um, for also just going over to my shelf and being like, um, I, you know, I'm I'm gonna pick out uh, probably Lost Planet. Not not Lost Planet. I was going to pick out uh, like Fable. I was going to pick out one of the Fables. Okay. I liked Fable. You know, throw the disc in, boom, I'm playing the game. You know what happens on the PlayStation? It doesn't matter if I have the disc or not. 
yeah, there's PS3 games available. I have to pay for them. You have to subscribe for PlayStation <laughs> Now yeah. to stream them. Right. Yeah, you're no better than Nintendo at that point. So, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give text box as well. But uh, thanks for thanks for hanging out in the Facebook again on the Gamezilla podcast group. Head on over there if you're not a member and request to join. And um, thanks for that input. We are excited to go to South and bring back all sorts of fun content for you. We'll be posting stuff during the show, of course. You'll be seeing videos, photos, and and uh, blogs going up about the show. But when we get home, we'll have all sorts of extra content for you. So, uh, with that being said, I think it's time for some emails. The FBI has just sent a letter to informing them that they have discovered new emails. Downloading GameZilla emails from info at MotorCityGaming.com. Okay, Jazzy Fiddle, your GameZilla mailbox is up to date. Jazzy Fiddle, due to illness, has been snaked by the Snake Man, and I, the Dead Eye Knight Shell, Take over email responsibilities for the week, and I will lay upon you my illiterate <laughs> idiocy uh, as I probably stumble through reading these emails. You think Jazzy's bad? Just get ready. Oh, yeah. After I'm done trying to read these emails, you will all be begging for Jazzy to come back. And bleeding from your ears. Absolutely. And then next time I put Jazzy on blast for not knowing how to read, there will be factual information that I am actually illiterate. <laughs> So, uh, so you know, get ready for the train wreck that will be this week's email segment. Okay, and that's okay. We gotta do the jazz. And that's right. You write them. We read them. It's time for emails here on the Gamezilla podcast. Send your questions into info at MotorCityGaming.com or post them in the Gamezilla group. We already hit on some of those. And if you're lucky enough to be selected, you could have your emails butchered with my literacy here. <laughs> On the GameZilla podcast. So, let's kick this off. I got Reptile. Oh, Reptile's done. Yep, you're done. Oh, well, I can't. Now you can start the snake music. I, yeah, okay. Oh! Okay. Snake Man in the house. Okay. This first one is from our boy Ecto Cooler. Greetings, friends. Hope the land of the living is treating you well. Deadite Knight. That is me. What is the greatest Evil Dead game? Now, I know of, I think, four Evil Dead video games. And they're all terrible. I believe there was an Evil Dead game on the Commodore 64. (laughs) I didn't play it. I've never played a Commodore 64 ever. I think that's what it was on. It was on a very old, I want to say, you know, early 80s computer. They uh, made an Evil Dead game. Didn't play that one. So, can't really chime in on that one. Next, Evil Dead, the video game on the Sega Dreamcast. Yeah. Didn't play it. Uh, That's a it's, shame. It's one I look forward to adding to my collection. I haven't come across it in the wild to purchase it. Now, the next two that I know of, I do own and have played. Uh, one of them is Evil Dead Fistful of Boomstick, and the other one is Evil Dead Regenerations. Uh, I liked Fistful of Boomstick. Um, if I recall, that is the one, though, where I think you could run out of gas for your chainsaw. Oh, God. And that's not the best. Um, you know, I think, I believe that's the one that takes place in, like, colonial time Dearborn, Michigan, uh, which is where <laughs> Ash is from. Uh, and for anyone that doesn't know the reason Ecto is specifically asking this for me, uh, Deadites are the evil, the evil beings in the Evil Dead series. So that is where my name comes from, my PSN name, the Deadite Knight. 
Um, now, uh, the game I actually played the most of is Evil Dead Regenerations, which takes place in an alternative timeline where um, Ash doesn't go back in time, spoiler alert for a movie from 1992, uh, to fight the Army of Darkness. You son uh, of a bitch. Ash ends up in an insane asylum, and the Deadites end up taking over modern time, and uh, he ends up teaming up with like a half-Deadite midget. Uh, that he sort of kicks around. You can get different attachments for your arm. Instead of just a chainsaw, you can get like a drill and different things. Uh, I played that quite a bit on the original Xbox and like it quite a bit. So, uh, oh, and the script was written in the game, I think, had a hand with Sam uh, and his brother. I think it's Ivan Raimi, uh, which they're the creators of Evil Dead. So I'm a huge fan of them. Uh, so I have to say that Evil Dead Regenerations is my favorite Evil Dead video game, which I think is the last one they made. Okay. All right. I don't have a favorite game. I haven't played any of them, but I actually played Sega Dreamcast. I one. played yeah. Fish, Fistful of Boomstick. I think with Jade back in the day, the brick bitch herself. Oh, okay. All right, moving along. We have a question from Eric. Tekken has introduced lots of real life martial arts. To each of the Gamezilla podcast members, which type of martial arts would each of you like to learn or master in real life? Also. If you guys were to create your own, what would you call that martial art and what sort of martial art would it be? From the king of the Iron Fist Tournament, EA Spuds. It's in the taters. <laughs> it's in the taters. <laughs> Patreon supporter, EA Spuds. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, so the question, uh, if we could learn a martial art, which one would it be? And if we had to create our own, what style would it be and what would we call it? I know Ooh. for me, Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Why is that? Uh, I just have you seen what's his uh, what is his name? Um, Speaking of the mic, I can't think of his name. His name is completely. He was just in uh, Fast and Furious. He did uh, The Rock. No, um, Vin Diesel. Paul Walker. Tony Jaa. <laughs> oh, Tony Jaa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not think of his name. Yeah, just seeing how ludicrous. No. Oh wait, we got it. Oh, <laughs> oh my bad. Man. My bad. <laughs> Tony Judd, like just seeing him from like the Protector and the Bodyguard. Oh, just, that's a good oh point. Oh my god, that's just a real good amazing. Point. Yeah, I would love sweet. to learn Muay Thai. And as far as learning, like if I had to make my own, yeah, be Fat Man. You, know, you just <laughs> use your belly to hit everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what about you, Deadite? So I would want to learn Krav Maga, okay, which is the Israeli military form of martial arts and hand-to-hand combat. Okay, I think, I just think I think the Israeli military is pretty badass. <laughs> so I I think just uh, being able to do Krav Maga would be super cool, um, and I I think it 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 has a pra- uh, a lot of practical application in in fighting. If I had my own martial art, of course, it would be called Snake. <laughs> and it would involve sort of trying to, like, worm around and distract your opponent with, uh, you know, maybe nonsense and misdirection. It would be a very shady martial art. And it would probably end up with a good swift kick in the balls, you know? <laughs> I'm not playing fair. I'm not fighting fair. I'm fighting to survive the Snake way. <laughs> I mean, my... So... One that I think about is uh, Brazilian uh, Jiu-Jitsu. I do like that style. I I've, I used to be in 
to UFC. I used to watch a lot of UFC, actually. Uh, not so much recently where we've heard uh, Gangster Ass Rick and BMC and all of them talk a ton about it. I've, I don't follow it anymore, but Jiu-Jitsu is always something that interested me taking a class, and that would be something that I think I would, I would probably lean towards. Got to get your jits in, man. Yeah. Um, if I had to make my own, it would have to be a, a special blend of um, a little bit of future, a little bit of past, a little bit of the world kind of decaying, but in the, <laughs> in the future. Happy Metroid Monday! Horizon Zero Dawn! And you blow out the levels, you jerk. <laughs> Stupid yeah, jerk. Yeah, have fun editing that. No, I'm I not going to edit it. I'm just going to leave it raw. I'm co-hosting today. I'm not editing a damn thing. That's true. That's fair. Okay, I would take you. the I would take the moves, I would take the moves of uh, Ninja Gaiden and and Zero Suit Samus and blend those into a perfect hybrid. And I don't know what I would call it. I guess I would call it the Metroid Ninja hybrid. I hate you. <laughs> just screw attacks. It's all just screw attacks. Screw attacks on all of you. Uh, chiming in from Xander, he said oh, he wondered why you didn't pick the Vado fighting style. Yeah. Well, I feel like the I feel like the snake fighting style may be a hybrid between Valdo and Reptile. Oh, Bo Raicho. I would tell. I'll be puking yeah. and spitting mm, on people and yeah. like going around with my, my <laughs> weird claws and you have to have a gold cod piece on mm-hmm, and just like mm-hmm. hissing at everybody. Yeah, I do think I'd pull a lot from Valdo and Reptile. A little That's bit awesome. from Bo Raicho with the farts and the puking. That's awesome. I'd also mix in uh Battletoads. Trifecta. Yeah, get big it all. fists and big feet. Yeah. Big fists. And we just call it the Green Metroid Hybrid Ninja. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> hey, you want to gush over Horizon Zero Dawn for a minute, or have you moved on to Zelda now? No, Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm pumped for it. Okay. I'm, I'm getting real scared. We're getting super close, and people keep popping up with like, spoiler, I, got, I know the ending of the, of the game. I'm like, you say one thing to me. If you say one thing, I will rip your balls off and shove them through your eye sockets. Like, seriously, do not do this. I will straight battle toe punch you in the ass. Yeah, just don't do it. Turn into a wrecking ball and knock you off a cliff. (laughs) If you want to potentially end the GameZilla and Motor City gaming as a whole, that would be the way to do it. Ruin this and I'll just shut all this shit down. I'll burn it to the ground. I will burn my own house to the ground (laughs) and collect the insurance when I cause, say, it's electrical uh, fire and commit fraud. You'd be like, yeah, this guy named Jazzy came over and did some electrical work and the whole place burned down. Yeah, I mean, he just put all these lights up and just plugged them in my wall and hanging out on my ceiling and said it was a studio and then it burned down. I don't know. Absolutely. Go after him. Yeah. All right. Clearly, clearly committed arson. He's, okay. not, he's not here to defend himself. It's all his fault. That's right. We should have abused Jazzy more this week without him here to defend hey, himself. We still got time. There's still plenty of show. Okay, the next email coming in is from Dwight. Hey, guys, I recently took a trip and stumbled upon a, wait for it, video game arcade. Woo! I, have ha- I haven't had so much fun playing video games in a long time. The thing that killed me was trying to explain everything to my son who has never even seen a video game arcade cabinet. Besides that, I did the basic and put my quarter on top of the arcade to indicate that it was my turn, and I went ahead and played a well-respected throwback fighter, X-Men versus Street Fighter, only to end up dominating and getting the nickname Arcade Brute. 
My question for you guys is, will arcades ever resurface? I don't mean like a gimmicky arcade place with five or six 80s arcade cabinets and a bunch of pinball machines. I mean a legitimate arcade place to have, you know, fighting tournaments and a bunch of racing cabinets. You know, a nice place to take a, a date as well as a place that cultivates competition. And why did they disappear in the first place? Thanks, guys. And that's from Dwight. So, Dwight, I think the problem is is that we say they don't exist in our general, like, location. And they do exist still. They're just few and far between. Like, Xander got to go take a trip to Chicago and brought back pictures and, and stuff of a arcade there that, was heaven. I mean, it was just all I wanted to do was get in my car and go to Chicago. It looked fantastic. And any machine that you want to try to set the world record for, they would literally rope you off. They would they would lock down the system, rope you off and and time you to try to set the world record, you know, in a speed run or you know, they would have fighting game uh, competitions. They are a legitimate arcade. There's just not a lot of them. Like there is a Flynn's arcade in Philly, I believe. Um, you know, that is really built out like the arcade from Tron. And and so like that's one I always want to uh, you know, at some point, I want to make a trip to it, but you know, the re- let's just tackle the reason why they're gone. It's it's it was the birth of the home console. It was the birth of video games being easier to access in your home. Uh, it really destroyed the arcade. People didn't see a point why they needed to go out and game when they could just stay in and game. And because of that, you watched the arcades. You know the cost of a cabinet, the cost of thirty cabinets, the co- like it's insane how much the expense it was just to get you know just to have these devices on top of maintenance, on top of repair and all. It it, it just wasn't worth it. They were losing money like mad. So yeah, you we around here we lost everything. You know we 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 lost a ton of our arcades. We have a couple pinball peats. We got Marvins and. You know, if I'm missing something, I'm sorry, but I don't. I mean, there's a couple newer ones have popped up in in Brighton and um, places like that. But so the trend we're seeing is barcades. Yes, they're now playing into bars that are themed with arcades. There's a new one going in in Lansing. Um, I I know there's a couple. You know, I, I visited at least one of them while I was down in Orlando a couple summers ago. It's becoming a new trend. Uh, there's there's a small one in. Ferndale, Michigan, which isn't too far from here. Um, it, you, so you, that that is currently like the hot trend. Breweries has been a hot trend for a long time, and I think the new trend in bars is making it a barcade where you go in, it's free to play the games, you just drink beer and play the video games. That is a coming trend, and that is, that is the iteration we're seeing now is an arcade that is themed for adults. Yeah, and we are seeing some uprise in arcades. Uh, um, off-world arcade is who put on the um, who was there with us at after dark they were the ones that brought the 20 cabinets and 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 did the whole arcade cabinet part of the after dark event and they do have a uh, physical location that they kind of use as a it they explain it as a an arcade that's also a gathering place that also can be a public workplace like if you if you know so it, it's kind of a hybrid but they believe in old arcade machines. 
They don't try to pretty them up and make them like super clean and, and collectible. They want them to be played. They want you to go and you know get get into the mood and 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 go hard on the joystick and play this game. It's going to be rough around the edges, but it's going to make you feel good. That's that's their mission, and that I think is what we want to see more of. We want to see that where you know here's this burger time machine and and it feels great and you look at it and it's worn because it's been used it's been loved and you know it's still it's still trucking along i um i would love to see a resurgence in in arcades it's gonna be so hard because the new age arcades are so they're garbage you know you go like no offense if you like dave and busters but you go to dave and busters and all these games are just little gimmicky bullshit they're not a it's not a real arcade they're not so you play games that are like you know a rail shooter that looks like it was developed to play on the original iphone like it's visually terrible arcades used to be the cutting edge technology that's where you had to go to play the most beautiful looking and the most technically profound video games and now what you get in the arcade is gimmicky garbage that they put in a cabinet yeah if you go to a dave and busters you know oh oh you know no offense to crossy road we love the game for a mobile app you get Ports of mobile app games put into a cabinet. That is the opposite of what arcade culture began as. And that's, uh, you know, there's, you know, if someone was like, Ethan, Tekken 7 comes out in June. You can go to Dave and Buster's in May and play a Tekken 7 arcade cabinet. I think it's safe to say that we would be like, let's go there and play it because you used to be able to play the latest games and now you just play garbage put into a cabinet and i believe tekken 7 actually is a great example that if you go to japan um that did happen you could play tekken 7 in an arcade cabinet before it came out and poken uh, uh, and poken or yeah pocken whatever um you you could play these before they released onto the system and so it does still happen just not in our not in our world you know and that's so the reason I, we're taking Japanese classes, yeah. uh, Grim and I, is so we can take a trip to Japan and play some arcade games. Go that, to Red that, Light District, yeah, where that, there's nothing but arcade. That would be hookers. that would be a a dream come true for sure. I, that's something. That's another one of those bucket list items for me. Um, so yeah, do I think they're gonna? Do I think it's gonna happen? I don't you know. Our market is tough. The Metro Detroit market is tough. I, you know, Detroit is is doing very well, and there are people out there that are geeks and nerds and like like off world uh, arcade. You know, they're they're the ones that do the checkers uh, events, and they're the ones that are doing. They've done every after um, after dark event, so they're there. They're out there. We as a community have to support them. We have to make sure that we're going to these after dark events, that they're making sure that we're telling people about this and that we're growing it so that way the we get the word out to these people that it we want it. It needs to be a thing and uh you know, I think I think we're getting there. It's definitely turning around for us. So And don't forget the one that's being built in Lansing in Old Town. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's another one. It is just a 15-minute walk from Sci-Fi AJ's house. Which means Sci-Fi AJ and I are going to walk there, drink a ton of beer. Hopefully, they'll have an MK cabinet, so we'll be squaring up all night. And then we will stagger back to his house, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Speaking of Sci-Fi AJ, here's our next question. With the release date set for Injustice 2, who are some DC or maybe MK characters you would like to see NetherRealm add in? Also, what are the odds that Ed Boon and John Tobias 
or the actors from the MK movie are at PAX East. Sci-Fi AJ. So I'm going to be... Um... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take an angle here that I don't know if everybody else will. I don't want any Mortal Kombat characters in Injustice 2. I did not like the uh, them including Scorpion in Injustice 1. It just felt it just felt shoehorned into the game. It wasn't needed and I just I'm not like it, it's fine when you're Mortal Kombat and you want to go throw Alien Predator and Freddy Krueger and things like that. That's fine. DC's DC. You already have a world, you have a universe that you've constructed taking one of your famous characters just for a publicity stunt in my my mind is uh, unnecessary. What do you think? I, d- I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, I did play Scorpion when I was playing Injustice over the weekend, and uh, it just fell out of place. The, the, the different fight system, you know, I was like, oh, you kind of feel like Scorpion, but, you know, and I know this is, that's sci-fi AJ's main. He loves Scorpion, so, you know, he might not like hearing that, but, you know, I would much rather fire up MK and get true Scorpion other than Scorpion Light is what I felt like I was dealing yeah, with. And yeah. so even if they put Reptile or, you know, Sub-Zero, like other characters that I love in Injustice, I have Mortal Kombat. I don't need my Mortal Kombat characters in Injustice. I'm not saying that when they announce probably Sub-Zero for Injustice 2 that I'm not going to be like, okay, I'll play him a little bit. But when I play Injustice, I want to play yeah. Joker. I want to play. Uh, I was really liking Deathstroke. You know, I want to play those characters. What do you think I of Lobo? I did play Lobo. The first character I played was Lobo because you kept saying like, "Gotta play Lobo." Your dude Lobo. Lobo was cool. I don't think I like <laughs> his moves set that much, but he was kind of a cool character. I really was digging Deathstroke. Yeah. Okay. All right. <sighs> um, but what DC characters would you guys like? I would love to see Nightwing. I don't know. If yeah, he's in, he's that's in Injustice my boy. One. It would be good to have him in Injustice Two. Yeah, I, I love Nightwing. Um, I enjoyed Aquaman actually in Injustice One. Uh, he had some really cool like ultras with the sharks and everything. I figured you were probably a fan of that. But um, is there somebody else that? Oh, it, it doesn't fit into the story at all. But if I could get a skin, I guess I would love a Batman Beyond. Yeah, well, they had that in the first one. Did we have a Batman Beyond skin? Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll see. Shit. There you go. I want another one. <laughs> Actually, Beast Boy is another one I would love to see. Nice. Yeah. I would like to see Red Hood. That Red? Would be cool. Yeah. I think he'd be a sweet addition. Um, this is for sci-fi, AJ. We really want Killer Croc. <laughs> of course. I think Killer Croc. Like, if you look at, like, would I rather have Bane or Killer Croc? I think Killer Croc may actually be a more interesting character for the game than Bane was in Injustice 1. I, I agree 100% with you because his moveset can be very, like, serpentine and a bunch of other things. Yeah. yeah. I think it could be really cool. Um, I'm trying to think. I had a few other thoughts on this the other day while I was playing that I was like, oh, it'd be cool if this person was in. Um,. Because I'm not super versed in the DC universe. Like, outside of Batman, you know, I don't have a ton to offer. Um, Bizarro! Bizarro? Isn't he in this one? I have have no idea, man. Literally, (laughs) clearly with the answers I've given you, you should should understand I know nothing what's going on. (sighs) What is her name? Um, With the cards. Uh, She does magic. Uh, It starts with a Z. Uh... The daughter of, uh, oh my God, what's? I, can't, I, I I honestly do not know a lot about DC. I've been watching of Young Justice. She's in Young Justice. Yes, that's why this one made me think of her. Zatanna or Zatana, something. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It. there it is. Whew. 
Give me Mr. Freeze. Aqualad. Give me Aqualad. Give me Mr. I'm, I love Mr. Freeze is one of my favorite villains. Give me Mr. Freeze. Yeah, that'd be cool. Or, I mean, uh, oh, uh, Clayface. It's easy yeah. for me to default to Batman villains because they're so great. So give me Clayface. Oh, no! Man Bat! <laughs> give He's me giving himself rings. Man Bat! Give me Man Man Bat is awesome! Man Bat would be like one of the most generic, just garbage characters. No! Man yeah. Bat would be so Man good! Man Bat would just be that horrible, like. Just horrible move set, clunky ass mechanics. Because you're not gonna put that much time into that character. Give me Man Bat. Man Bat's M- M- Montaro all over again. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Montaro <laughs> is the worst. <laughs> Give me Man Bat. <laughs> oh, what's the second? What's the other part of this? Um, what are the odds of Ed Boon, John T- uh, Tobias, or any actors from the MK, MK movies. movies? I think the MK movies is it would be a real stretch. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But uh, here's here's your odds. You're probably going to see Mortal Kombat cosplay because because you usually will, and you'll see some really good stuff like you know Scorpion with completely white out eyes and and you know. The, the mask will be all done in what looks like metal. Like, it's it's legit. Um, I don't know. We'll be in March, so we'll be so you'll have Injustice coming up. You know, we very well could see some type of uh, presence for... Um, Injustice. Injustice. I was thinking of the developer, uh, NetherRealm. NetherRealm. Yeah. See, see some sort of presence for NetherRealm themselves as far as what they're promoting it's probably going to be injustice. And you know, you, I'm surprised you skipped over what Jazzy wouldn't have skipped over is what a big breast of Katana is going to be there. You know that for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. Jazzy's not going to skip over that, of course. <laughs> he, that's the number he's got to get. Yeah. That poll's going up. It's going up. How he's many got... hella hoes? Hella numbers? Like, Jazzy, forget about content. Forget about anything that we we talked about. You just got to get phone numbers. Go. Just lay, lay game, yeah. Mr. Fiddle. All right, Sci-Fi AJ, thank you so much for sending in the question. And unless we have any others, I'm going to move on to the cub. I think you're good. Crazy Uncle Braden chiming in. Hello, suckers. Hey. Oh, wait. (laughs) You jumped onto the Switch hype train, and it's heading off the rails. Woo! Let's go off this cliff together, baby. We're going. What in the name, what in God's name were you thinking when you pre-ordered this boat anchor? I want to do some drugs. I take that back. It's not even heavy enough to be a boat anchor. It's just an abysmal disaster. It's like Trump's haircut. Oh, hell no. In an effing windstorm. You would have to go this route. How many more times do you need to be burned by Nintendo before you realize that they're always going to be Nintendo? The online... Oh, I messed something up on my phone. <laughs> I, uh, it, jumped, it jumped away. Okay. I lost it. How many more times do you need to be burned by Nintendo before you realize that they're always going to be Nintendo? The online service sounds like complete trash. I mean, who in their right mind would pay a monthly fee to have games repossessed the next month? Absolute horseshit. <laughs> That's how Braden sounds. Yeah, and true. don't get me started about the awesome chat feature that forces me to use my telephone. How old is this guy? Telephone. To use my telephone. <laughs> He's pretty old. To use my telephone because Nintendo is too cheap to build a chat infrastructure for their loyal gamers. My question for this week is WTF? 
were you thinking when you pre-order the Switch? The writing is already on the wall. It's a huge dumpster fire and hasn't even been released yet. I honestly hope that I'm wrong and that Nintendo comes out swinging with both arms. <laughs> that was an arms joke. Laugh out loud. Ditch the switch. Salty Uncle Braden. Oh, man. He has been going hard on the switch in the GameZilla podcast group. And in the chat. It's been hilarious. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know that he's ripping up the chat, too. Um, Just like I ripped up his email. Yeah. <laughs> This is coming from a guy that hasn't turned his PS4 on in, in a month because he's been playing a 3DS. Like, oh, yeah. Like, he's a Nintendo fanboy that just can't accept the fact that he's going to buy a Switch in a matter of months, and it's all going to happen when he comes down to the cafeteria at work and we're all rocking out some Zelda and some Mario Kart, and he's going to feel all left out, and he's going to go home to his wife and be like, I want a Switch. Uh, you didn't let me get a VR, so let me get a Switch so I can play with my friends. The v- the Switch is far more likely to succeed than the VR that I Sony's asked, already bailed on. I asked him if he could choose between the two. He told me buy a VR. He's a fool. I said, you're, I Salty go, Uncle Brady, yeah, you're a damn yeah, fool. Yeah, he's just trolling I me. can't read what's on the screen, Cable. What did he say? He said lies, largely debunked. <laughs> largely debunked. <laughs> you can't steal my largely bu- debunked material that I stole from the president. <laughs> yeah. It's my material now. <laughs> oh, and he said something else too. Lies. Uh, okay. Lies. <laughs> Wrong. Lies. Um, you know, obviously I have my huge concerns about the Switch. We've already discussed that, but um I don't know. I there's just something about Nintendo that when I look at something like this right here, right? Something that is it's just special to me. It's a piece of plastic that's a little robot from a video game that wasn't very good, but it's Rob the Robot. And like there's just nothing like, I don't care what Sony does, and I don't care what Microsoft does. It just doesn't have the effect that Nintendo does on me. So how many times do I have to get burnt? I'll probably support Nintendo until they die. I want to ask you a question based on Salty Uncle Braden's question. Other than the Wii U, what was the last, when was the last time Nintendo burnt you on something? Because I don't feel like I've ever been burnt by I Nintendo. I got burnt hard on the Virtual Boy. Well, that was... <laughs> We don't mean your eyes. <laughs> so, so that that's, too. So this is two times you've been burned by Nintendo. Can you think of another time? I, yeah, the virtual way that's fair, but that was twenty years ago. And you should have saw that coming. Original, that thing's a mess. <laughs> you don't point at my virtual boy like that. I will. It's here in the room, and I will point at it as it, evidence. That of is why go- would you buy that? That is gorgeous. Look you, at it. You go to the store. It's the you, future. It's the. It's what the. I'm glad the future never became. Uh, the future became. It's, became. it's called su- the PlayStation VR. Yeah, I still have better support than the PlayStation VR. This only has oh! seven games. <laughs> there it is, toasty. Um, so you've been burned twice. No, by I time. have another burn. You ready? The original 3DS, huge letdown. Two hundred fifty dollars to the point where they gave me free games as an apology when they dropped the price months after they released it, and I had already paid full price for it. That that was not good. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, you know, I mean, other than that, do I feel burned by Nintendo? Not necessarily. Do I feel like I just wish that, like, the GameCube had a better life? You know, like, things like that. Like, I could go to some of my favorite Nintendo consoles that didn't have the support that I wish they would have had. That's not, that's not, I mean, 
that is Nintendo's fault, but it's I don't feel burnt by Nintendo necessarily. But those three that I just named, I definitely sit there and say they they effed me pretty good. That's fair. All right, you came up with more scenarios than I thought you would. I don't feel like I've ever been burnt by Nintendo. And do you think you're going to get burned by the Switch? I don't think I'm going to get burnt. But I am with this, I am, I am expecting to, one, play the great first-party titles that are going to come out for the system, hopefully over at least a five-year period. Hopefully this thing makes it five years. And two, I'm hoping that there is great indie support around the system. To me, odds are I'm going to get great third-party support. On, I already Again, I already own a PS4. This is fulfilling a different need. I think I would love playing indie titles and Nintendo titles on my Switch, and I'm less worried about other things making it on there. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't want that other stuff there for the health of the system, but I'm getting less and less worried about being burned by the Switch as I'm getting closer and closer to this release window seeing what indie developers are on board. I, I mean, I'm getting less and less... Oh, I got a fourth burn. Fourth burn. I can't reach the case right now, but Metroid Prime Federation Forces is a, is a burnt... Nintendo fucked me. With Metroid Prime Federation Forces, that was that was Nintendo, and there that was bad. All right, okay. I, I can't I can't argue that one. There bit. we go. I give yeah. me that one. All right. Anyways, back to the topic here. Uh, I don't think the Switch is good. I'm gonna get burnt by the Switch because I'm going like you said. I'm going into the Switch for the fact that I want Zelda. I want a form of Mario Kart that I've never been able to have on the go. I want more Splatoon. Hopefully, an improved Splatoon. Um, you know, you always want Mario. So to sit there and say you're you're excited about Mario, that's like a no brainer. But I have high hopes for a Metroid next year. I really have high hopes with the, with with the way I trust Reggie. I, I he's like he's the face of like yes he's the face of America. He is the face of Nintendo for me. Okay, and. If he's going to come out and start to mention little little snippets of Metroid here and there, you have my attention. And if I know that <coughs> even 12 months outside, you know, 12 months from the launch, 18 months from the launch, that I have a chance for a new Prime, or even if it's a new 2D, you know, Metroidvania-style game, I am sold. Like, that... It could be the only game that comes out. It would be my Metroid machine. Like, I'm okay with it. Especially considering if I can get the other Metroids. Like, I can get Fusion. I can get this. And I can build a library around the games that I care about. Um, you know, you've already shown Bomberman R. You've already you've already shown some, in, some indie support. And I just think, overall, I have high hope for this machine in a unique way where it's going to give me certain things that nobody else, nothing else can give me. And... I'm also looking at this as a handheld. This is, I'll have a 3DS, but I am looking at the Switch as the 3DS's, you know, predecessor. Or not predecessor, but successor. And I am looking at it in the sense that this is going to be the new age of handheld. Nothing can touch this right now. You know, the Vita can't touch it. And what else is out there that's even close? That's handheld. So... If I'm going to sit there and compare it to a home console, well, that's that's dumb. Of course I'm not. I mean, like, But at the same time, I'm going to ask you one more question. If next year, no, if at E3, Blizzard takes the stage and says, Overwatch Switch Edition's coming out, 
will you pay again to own Overwatch on the Switch? Knowing that you can now play Overwatch anywhere you go. You could you could play it at lunch. You know, I I one hundred percent would invest in another copy of Overwatch. I think this is going to go off of a caveat that I had given, I think, on the show last week. If not, it may have just been in our uh, GameZilla Gaming chat. There has to be a single-player element or a local-player campaign, something added, because we know that, yes, they're calling the Switch primarily a home console with portable features. I'm fine with them branding it that way. I'm fine with them designing games with that truth. But if I don't have functionality outside of online multiplayer with Overwatch, those sort of games are going to be tough to find solid Wi-Fi to play all the time. No, I think you will... If I told you that there's local LAN support... Mm -hmm. Okay, because it's already been talked about, and Nintendo's confirmed this, that if eight of us are sitting here with Switches, Mm -hmm. and I have Mario Kart, and none of you do, you all have Mario Kart, it does not require everyone to have the game. They simply state, and this is Nintendo stating this, it is up to the developer if they will require everyone to have the cartridge or not. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get full-blown Mario Kart 8 because I have it, but it's going to be similar probably to like what the 3DS does where, hey, you don't have the game? No problem. We still can race on these 10 courses mm-hmm. with these five with these five racers. Like, So could Blizzard even go f- out there beyond that and say, Grimlock only has to own the game, and with that, there's still a light version of Overwatch that they can play locally with up to eight people. I, I think that stuff would have to be involved. If it were if it were Overwatch as is on PS4, I would not rebuy it. You would have to show me the local aspects of it and um, not even necessarily a single player, but maybe an offline mode that you could just do connected over, you know, a net, you know, local play with someone else. I would need to see that um, because otherwise the benefit isn't as strong to me because, again, we already have an install base with all of our friends already own Overwatch on the PS4. So you would have to give me the Overwatch universe with something more to get me to rebuy on on this platform. Okay, back follow-up question. Sticking with Blizzard, Diablo 3 comes to the Switch. Local land support up to whatever, let's say four people, can all join off one cartridge and, and, and go dungeon crawl Here's a game that's been out a while. I know you're not you haven't played a lot of Diablo, but I've played Diablo on the PC, on the PS4, and again, if I if if that was an option, I would consider owning it on the Switch. I think if we're in the scenario that let's let's say, you know, again, everyone knows you and I work together on our 9 to 5 job. Mm-hmm. And our after hours job. And here at Motor City Gaming. But if you if you were to buy Diablo and know that I could play with you by, you know, Connect play, we'll call it. I would certainly play it, and odds are I would probably get hooked enough where I'd want to buy it myself. Right. It's not a game I've ever played before, so it would be a new experience for me, but having that cooperative aspect, yeah, I'd, I'd play it. I think that's something I would do. Yeah. And that's a game that I think with the right with the right work could uh, it could run on the Switch. So, I don't know. 
I know Braden's just hating hard on this thing, but I really think as a lot of people are. Yeah. We took the poll uh, on our on our Gamezilla page before last show, and, it, and the poll the poll started off with you know is the switch for you? Yes, I'm sold. No, it's not for me, or I need to know more info, and then people could fill in whatever else they yeah, wanted yeah. to add to the poll. The knows it's not for me out of the Gamezilla fan base were dominant. Oh yeah, it was at least two to one, if not more than that. Yeah, it was, so, I believe it was more than that. It might have been three, four to one. So, you know, there are a lot of people in the gaming community that are going hard negative on this. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that are supporting it. Because they're looking at it in a different way, they're looking. They're looking at it more like us, where we're looking for it to fill in a unique situation, and we believe that it can do that. I don't believe it'll ever be, you know, a, a competitor against the PS4 Pro or the Scorpio. Like, like it's unrealistic. Like that's you know, I don't want Nintendo to come out with a beastly machine again three four years into the generation, because then. The Scorpio is going to hit next year. The Pro's already out, and then what's going to happen? You know that by the time when Sony and Microsoft drop their next system, the the Beast Nintendo machine that everybody was hoping for will only have a half life, and all of a sudden it'll be behind again. I, you should not leave. Like if you want to release a, a a graphic god machine that competes, you have to do it with everybody else. I can pretty much promise you. That if Nintendo were coming out with a straightforward system that's right in line with the PS4 and the Xbox One, just with their games, and then all eventually you're going to be able to play all the other big IPs that come out throughout the year, I wouldn't be buying it because it's not different. I already own a PlayStation 4. Yep. And to get a machine that does the same thing just to play the Nintendo games would not sell me. Yep. The fact that this is different, people can call it underpowered, people can call it gimmicky, I don't care. It looks fun. It fulfills a different need for me, and that's why I'm in on it. That's perfect. Perfectly said. I wouldn't, you know, Nintendo isn't selling me a PlayStation 4. I already have a PlayStation 4. You see how much better this show, like, went along and how friendly we were because Jazzy wasn't here? Yeah. The I think only, Rob should just stay full-time. When you spoke ill of Tekken... I, you know what it was? Is that I, I think I missed Jazzy for a short period, and so I wanted to try to, like, shake it a little bit, and then I was like, you know what? I don't need to shake the cage today. I'm happy. I'm with loved ones here in the studio, <laughs> and, uh, you know. I do have a question about Nintendo. When do you think they're going to actually have a full voiceover game? As far as, like, a big IP, like a Metroid. Zelda's going to have voiceover in it. it might- Is it full voiceover? Because I know they normally you have You need to speak into your mic. Sorry. <laughs> Still use getting used to this. Um, like I know Zelda had like all the other ones always had like listen and little no sound. no this one does have dialogue that is spoken. At least I've seen clips of Princess Zelda specifically speaking. That was Spider Man. <laughs> Spider Man fell in the studio. Um, <laughs> speaking. So this one will have that. And I can't remember what the reason for that is. That they gave a reason why this is the Zelda game that has it. I don't think Link's necessarily going to speak. Yeah, I mean, you just need to. Yeah, but they are do they are doing that in this game. But how cool would that be? To and didn't Metroid them? Other M have a ton of yes dialogue in it? Yeah, uh, Other M did. Yeah, I but, just think it'll be like I've never seen a Nintendo game, but I didn't play Other M. So yeah, it's probably a good thing he didn't. But I liked Other M. No one else did. 
<laughs> haven't played it yet. So I, I have a to. sealed copy for eight dollars. Yeah, I've, I've been. I keep my eye out for that deal. I still see places for fifty bucks. I'm like, I'm not paying for 50. other M. Yes, it, you can still go into like retail stores like Walmart and they sell other M and Kirby's oh. Epic Yarn, both of them for forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I'm like, why are that. those okay. the two Wii games you have? Okay, that makes more my, sense. My kids want another copy of um, Kirby Epic Yarn, and I'm not buying it for fifty bucks. No, yeah. no. <sighs> well. I think that's I think that's that about wraps it up. A riggedy wrap. I think we want to uh remind everybody that we are heading to Pack South. Uh so our next show uh and let's actually make this make this decision. Our next show is going to be a little late. Yeah, absolutely cuz you guys get back on Monday, right? Yeah. So I don't I think it would be kind of poor for you guys to get off the plane and me be sitting here at your house like, "Okay guys, let's record." So yeah. I think uh we're going to record and do the live show Tuesday yep. of next week. So, so 31st. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that cuz uh, just in case I don't want to plan anything too much and and then have a, a you know, a flight delay or something screw it all up. So um, so just a heads up, you know, we'll be we'll be bringing back a ton of content. You'll obviously be getting all sorts of um, video photos and all sorts of stuff throughout the weekend. And feel free to communicate with us in the GameZilla group chat uh, about if you have any questions or if you saw some photos or videos and you want to know more or, hey, can you go back to this booth? Stuff like that. Um, also, we'll, we'll be taking a um, some of a budget. So if there's something that you see in the, in the videos or whatever, and you're like, oh, man, can you bring me back a Mega Man sleeve? You know, things like that. Let us know in the chat. We can work something out with you because we understand not everybody can get to these conventions. And if there's something you want and we can work out a deal, um, you know, we'll be bringing back some swag for giveaways. But if you, know, when you see something and you know you want it, then maybe we can, uh, can get that back for you. On top of that, don't forget to support GameZilla on Patreon. Log into Patreon and search GameZilla. We will pop right up, and you can support it. You can become a GameZuki, a GameZilla, or a Mecha GameZilla. Uh, different tiers that you can support. You know, financially, we do. We're doing a fun and great job giving you perks that uh, give you special access to GameZilla and Motor City Gaming. And uh, let me say to everyone that supported us so far on Patreon, the response has been great. We appreciate it, and. Uh, Every single week here on the live stream, here in the podcast, you are going to see your donations at work to make GameZilla the best video game podcast on the internet. That is what we strive to do. So thank you so much to our supporters. And if you haven't supported us on Patreon, please, every dollar goes a long way here with us at GameZilla and Motor City Gaming. Thanks again to our wonderful sponsor who helps us financially as well, uh, Detroit Beard Collective. Shop for your beard care products online at DetroitBeardCollective.com. And make sure to listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Play, and of course, MotorCityGaming.com. It's a website. Uh, we air every Tuesday, and uh, if you're enjoying us on one of those avenues, make sure to subscribe, like, heart emoji, whatever they give you to help us get better exposure. The big thing that we always ask is if you're on iTunes, leave a comment. Rate us five stars and leave a comment. That helps us so much in the app store or it's, uh, the podcast uh, store or whatever you want to call that, the shop. And... Yeah, thanks for everybody that has already done that. We've seen some new reviews come through. So 
It's been great. Make sure also to read the blog. Head on over to MotorCityGaming.com. We have blogs uh, coming up for anticipation of Pack South. We'll have coverage of Pack South. If you want to read about you know some great memories of Marvin's Marvel's Mechanical Museum, you want to read a review about I Am Setsuna, things like that, they're all on the blog. So head over there, take a read, leave some comments and love, and you know as always, thanks for the support. So. With that being said, we will see you when we get back from Pack South, and until then, game, game on. on! I don't miss Jazzy. I kind of do. I know, I do miss that little turd.